0: Carlson, världens bästa, Carlson, 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 hoj här kommer Carlson, 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 ingen faktiskt, ingen annan, Carlson, blir jag så bra som mig, Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores, Carlson, Carlson, Welcome,
1: everybody, It's another episode of the Kevin Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest-running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who never get injured because we never leave our apartments. I'm your host, Elon Dubrowski, and with me, as always, the poobah of prognostication, the IPP MVP, the fantasy hockey robot himself, Brian com
2: Hello, Elon. Hello, everybody. It's so nice to be with you once again to go over all the latest news notes and analysis on fantasy hockey from the week that was in the NHL, and I just want to i feel like i need to be honest here i broke my ankle like during the pandemic at home like getting out of my chair it was actually really embarrassing and i don't know why i'm sharing it with everyone here really just my my colleagues knew but now you all know so please be sensitive with that information
1: okay well you're better now
2: yeah oh yeah like 90 percent. i don't know if i'll ever be the same again though
1: Okay, so maybe your hockey career is going to get cut short, but your podcasting career honestly didn't even skip a beat. You were—I don't even think you took a show off. It's actually funny. There's another podcast I listen to, Robin Akiva a podcast, and Akiva injured himself running after a bus, just <laughs> like trying to catch the bus. And I think he had the similar thing, rolling his ankle. So it's dangerous. So not only do you need to stay home, you also need to like not move around briskly. Just like everyone take care of yourselves. But uh we're trying our best not to get injured and it's like not so so hard, but it is hard for these players in the NHL. Uh we talked about it a bit on short shifts, or Ben and Lewis did, and now we've got more here. Just like a lot of injuries all throughout the league. So the plan for today's episode is we're going to go through each team in the league. I've brought up the list of injuries on tsn.ca slash NHL slash injuries, and we've got all the teams sorted by their number of injuries on this list, and we're just going to go through teams one by one and check in on the, I guess, infirmary for all of these teams. That's the plan for today's show. Before we get to it, of course, let's mention that we are presented by DauberHockey.com, the number one fantasy hockey website in the world, and right now, you should already know this, and if you don't, Get, it, get your pen out. Uh, you want to buy the Dauber Midseason Fantasy Hockey Guide because this is a great resource for you. Midway through the season, you've got updated projections, articles. It's like the world-famous Dauber Guide, but you get a midseason version of it with all the updates you need. So definitely check it out at DauberHockey.com. But okay, Brian, with that, are you ready to talk about injuries?
2: I am always and forever ready to talk about injuries other than my own, so let's go!
1: Okay, so let's start in Boston. They've got eight injuries listed over here on the NHL injuries list. Uh, most of them we don't really care about, right? Kasha's been hurt for a while, Lozon, Ke- uh, not K Andre Miller, I guess Kevin Miller. I, don't, I guess I won't read them all to you. Uh, the most significant one on this list is definitely Tukarask. He's been out of the lineup since March 7th when he was injured versus New Jersey. Jaroslav Halak, in the meantime, put up a couple of gems versus the Islanders and the Rangers on tuesday and thursday but then let his managers down on saturday he let in four goals on 33 shots and the four nothing shutout loss to the rangers who had that on their bingo card right like the rangers shutting out keith kincaid of all people shutting out the bruins uh the 35 year old halak has been a 919 save percentage or higher goalie since joining the bruins three seasons ago currently he's sitting at a 922 save percentage in 11 games so far this year a uh, ras could potentially be back next week so this is more like a hypothetical but i've been wondering this for a while now brian say let's say like what if Rask was announced to be, like, out for the season tomorrow? Like, how high would Halak rank in our goalie tiers? Like, I think of someone like Anton Hudobin on Dallas, who puts up such great numbers as a tandem guy or a backup, but we haven't really seen him be a starter in the league and be successful. And I get the same, like, vibe off of Yaroslav Halak, but I'm curious to get your take. Like, in Williams' goalie tiers that he dropped on Thursday, and again, great show by William Nadeau coming on and crushing it, uh, he had a tier three with like Bennington, Markstrom, Flurry, and Frederick Anderson. Would you put Halak in that tier just because he, if he what, were the starting goalie on Boston, or would you bump him down because we've never seen him have a big workload? I'm just curious to go. This guy's 35 years old. His career's probably nearing the end. Like, how good actually is he? <laughs>
2: Yeah, it would be really hard to keep Yarrow Halak out of the third tier. By the way, com slash goalies is where everybody can load up those goalie tiers right now and, and look at them and judge what we're saying in real time about what you think. Uh, I guess the argument to not put Halak in tier three is to ask, how good is Boston actually this year? They're 4-6-2 in the last month. They're middle of the pack in a lot of ways that you want to measure a team's success, but... What they still have going for them that would help Yarrow Halak is that the Bruins are still a top 10 defensive team as they uh, have figured out a way to absorb the losses of Chara and Tori Krug on their blue line. Halak himself is playing like an average goalie at five on five. But with that protection, uh, that makes him an above average option. I guess the only argument in my mind to put him in tier four is because that's where Tuka Rask was placed. And I think of them pretty similarly these days. But I guess Rask was put there because of the timeshare with Halak. And with Rask out long-term, if that does happen to be the case, Halak, I don't think, would be in a similar timeshare with Dan Vladar. So I would be uh, probably wanting to put Halak alongside guys like Binnington, Markstrom, and Anderson, knowing that maybe he's not quite as Good as them, although Freddie Anderson, I might make the argument that he is. Um, but he's got the volume ahead of the guys that you listed in tier four, like Varlamov and Sorokin and uh, to justify having him just one tier above that group.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I definitely don't wish anything bad on Rask. I hope that he'll be back and fully healthy, but it would be interesting to see what Halak would do with a run as a starting goalie. Uh, maybe we'll find out, uh, but hopefully not. <laughs> so uh, also on this list is Jake DeBrusk, who's on the COVID list. Of course, he's lost all fantasy relevance a while ago. Brian even refuses to discuss Jake DeBrusk on the podcast anymore. Uh, back in the day, he used to be that fourth forward on the Bruins' top power play. This season, the spot has gone to Nick Ritchie, who was bumped for a couple of games this week for David Krejci, but looks like Ritchie got back there Midway through Saturday's loss. So obviously go check Game line Tweets.com or follow at Game Lines to check out the line combos before Monday's game if you want to get that forward on the Boston Top Power Play. Usually the Boston beat writers are pretty good about tweeting power play practice combos, so you're able to get that information. Another guy not on the top power play recently since Matt Grizzlik has returned is Charlie McAvoy, who's really quieted down quite a bit since the start of the season. He's now gone pointless in four games in a row. He still sits at 17 points in 25 games for a fifty point pace which is great but that's falling right he was almost at a 70 point pace at one point this year Brian is this like just regression hitting McAvoy after his hot start uh or like is he maybe just gonna be the 40 to 45 point guy that he was in his first three seasons with the Bruins like I'm just curious what are you expecting the rest of the season are we gonna go back to like you know is McAvoy underperforming right now is his total average of a 56 point pace what we should expect moving forward or has he been overperforming we should continue to see him go quiet
2: we mentioned last week how little McAvoy had made of his top power play opportunity, which is now gone. And with that power play one opportunity, he had four power play points to put him on a super hot run where he picked up 13 points in 11 games. But now McAvoy is super cold, no power play role in sight. And yeah, I don't think he's this 56 point pace player. I think I'm comfortable around, say, 45 points the rest of the way. I think McAvoy is capable of more. But Boston as a team is not going to give him that opportunity so long as Grishlik is doing fine on the top power play unit. And Boston as a team might not even give McAvoy the opportunity to be really offensive because they are a defense first, second, and third team. Right now, Boston ranks 28th in the league and expected goals per 60 minutes at 5-on-5, five five, which is one way that I like to get a proxy of how offensive a team is choosing to play. And usually with a team like Boston, it is a choice. Some teams it's not a choice, like they just have no offense but Boston it seems to be a systemic decision clearly the Bruins aren't playing to score a ton of goals just that classic Bruins hockey of playing tight then jumping on a mistake and nobody other than the top line is ever really expected to score which is limiting for any Bruin really especially Charlie McAvoy who is a blue liner and not on the top power play unit so yeah I'd say 45 points and honestly I'd go I'd take the under before I take the over on his pace the rest of the season
1: oh man so K-Towney is pointing out that McAvoy got on the top power play with Richie in the second period on Saturday I guess you know after a shutout things might get changed up so again watch the lines but Brian like clearly then you would have the panic meter is pretty high like there was a lot of people who drafted McAvoy and probably were so stoked about his great start to the year and at this point you're kind of saying you think he's gonna go back to being what he was last year which was rosterable in a lot of leagues but not this like elite defensive option that he was looking like
2: and this is how you win leagues right McAvoy was found money in your draft you got him probably later than the value he provided you for the first several weeks now that the value's in my opinion, is about to fall off. You want to sell and get rid of him before that value falls off. So you had the best of what he had to offer and you treated him for someone who's going to outperform him the rest of the season. So that's what I would be looking to do if I were a McAvoy manager.
1: Okay, well, I'm going to bring up some other uh, defensemen who have gone cold and we'll see which ones you like better between McAvoy and those guys. Obviously, don't sell too crazy. And unfortunately, now's a tough time to sell since he's pointless in four games. Like I said, maybe wait for him to get a point in his next game and then see what you can do uh, or maybe just hold on because it's a short season remaining and you don't want to rip yourself off trying to overthink things. Okay, let's go to Nashville now. They also have eight injuries listed on this TSN list, and that list has grown recently, unfortunately, with Roman Yosi, Ryan Ellis, and Matt Duchesne moved to the IR recently. On the plus side, UC Saros is also on that list, but he could be back soon. I'm reading that he might be back even in the next game or two, which would be good timing since Pecorine has put up a couple five goal against Stinkers recently versus Carolina and Tampa, uh, but Brian, I gotta ask you, like as much as William likes UC Saros, Should we have any faith in him being able to repeat last year's run on this depleted team?
2: You know, I was really expecting to not have any interest in UC Saros as I dug into his numbers, but I, spoiler alert, am kind of interested in UC Saros once he's back in the lineup because Nashville, as usual, still has their defense working for them. Like, a lot of things are going wrong, but their defensive game is still pretty solid, which works in UC Saros' favor. Uh, Nashville ranks 7th in expected goals against per 60 minutes, which is one rank ahead of Boston, who I just lauded for their defense, and Saros' five-on-five game this season looks pretty decent, too. Nothing super special, but certainly respectable. Like, he's at least playing uh, as well as an average goalie should, given his workload. The silver lining for any Saros hopefuls who are feeling disturbed or, or discouraged by his sat line so far is that Saros has just been dreadful on the penalty kill, like Worse to a greater extent than Philip Grubauer has been good on the penalty kill, which we chatted about on the last week's episode, saying, oh, it's concerning that Grubauer's playing so well on the penalty kill, and that's where he's building his save percentage out. Uh, Saros doing the opposite. He is expected, based on his workload so far, to have put up a 9.05 on the penalty kill. Right now he's pitching an 8.19 Fenwick save percentage. He ranks 47th out of 47 goalies who face at least 50 unblocked shot attempts while shorthanded And I say all this as a plus for Soros, because as we always mention, uh, penalty kill save percentage is something that can vary and fluctuate wildly through the season. So if we just accept that what Cyrus has done on the penalty kill is not representative of his true skill or what's going to happen, that it still can fluctuate wildly, which honestly I think it will. And we just focus on his solid numbers at 5-on-5 five five behind a very solid defensive team. He kind of becomes an appealing option. He might not get a whole lot of run support or get you many wins, but UC Saros could at least get you some okay rates.
1: I mean, my question though, Brian, and everything you said is really smart, but like all these numbers that you're talking about are from a team that he was playing on that had Roman yeah. Yosi and Ryan Ellis <laughs> on defense. As Shams is saying in the chat here, how can he play well with no D left on the team? That's my main concern. It's like, yeah. I would have kind of been into him, but now I'm just wondering if maybe this is a team that's going to blow up because they haven't looked good recently, right? And I guess you could blame that on Pekka Rine, but you could also blame it on the team not having good defense anymore.
2: So I'm interested Right? I, right. I, I, of course, want to see in shams. That's a fantastic point to really emphasize that I, I did sort of glaze over that we should be looking out for Yosi and Alice out of the lineup and seeing how Nashville adjusts. I, I just, I guess I have this innate trust in the system that they play in, like John Hines has. Like sort of run this for a little while, and I, I, I don't know. Like I guess they are pulling pretty deep from their depth chart with their top two defensemen out. Essentially, that like you know two first pair guys. So it's going to be a little harder for Nashville to play defense, but. I would still be interested in Saros as a guy like if you're looking for someone who can get to decent volume and okay rates uh, might still have a shot at doing that. I'm I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm not as down on him as I as I thought I would be, which is reason for me to give him at least a, a look with fresh eyes once he's back from this injury.
1: Yeah, okay. And then let's look at the lines in Saturday's 6-3 loss to Tampa with all these people out of the lineup. So you got Forsberg, Johansson, Arvidsson, the bands back together there on that top line. And then Granlin with Tolvanen and Callie Yarncroc. Uh, Here's a fun exercise for the listener. Try to name the other six forwards or any of them. I'm not going to bore you. with Brian, do you know any? Can you name one of the other six forwards on this team?
2: I definitely know that Rocco Grimaldi plays right. in Nashville. And I actually cheated. Like, I looked because we, we prepped together. So I cheated and looked. And I'm like, Luke Coonan. And then I, I think he was traded, right, for Eric Halla. Um, okay,
1: you don't have this exactly right. But Luke Coonan, unfortunately, is also on the IR oh, list. he's just
2: injured. Okay, he's still <laughs> there. Uh, yeah, and then, I, like, I knew Nick Cousins and Colton Sissons because their names kind of sound alike. And they've been in Nashville a long time. But, like... Yeah, that, those are all very, very deep cuts for even like a middle six. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's tough. There, Hala's there, so that's true. And he uh, got a goal recently. Uh, anyway, then on defense, right, obviously people are curious to know with Roman, Jose, and Ryan Ellis out, who's like on the top power play, if that's worth anything with you know, this team being so depleted. Uh, so Matisse Eckholm finally got, he wasn't there right away, but he was there in Yosin uh, Ellis' absence on Saturday. No points, only one shot. He, in fact, only has one assist in five games since he went on that hot run in early March. So he's really cooled off. At this point, Brian, I think a lot of people rush. Like, I know Ben from Short Shifts, he grabbed. Ellis when he was on that hot run and he got another like one goal one assist game right after he added him he was super excited about him now that he's gone cold like what do you do with him because on one hand he's gone cold and he's you know Matthias Ekholm he's not someone who's generally someone you could depend on for a lot of points but he's getting better deployment with all the other defensemen out so he's someone that you would hold on to at this point even through a cold streak or do you stream him out just like you would have otherwise
2: if it weren't for those other injuries I'd say if you wouldn't normally roster Matthias Eckholm, there's no reason to roster him now because of that hot run he had earlier in the season every year it seems like Matthias Ekholm gets super, super hot at least once or twice a season, and then he cools right back down to his usual 35-point pace where you can't rely on any kind of consistent production from him, but... He's on the top power play. He's essentially the last man standing out of that top D group in Nashville. So yeah, I'll keep him on my roster. I'd be okay to expect somewhere above 40 points with Ekholm's power play deployment. But just remember that the Nashville power play is uh, deeply plagued. And has been for a few years, except well, we're we're going to talk about Ali Tolvanen in a second. So just keep your expectations tempered. You're not just getting like a power play quarterback who's just going to cash in guaranteed. Now you're getting a power play quarterback on a long struggling power play. So I wouldn't keep my expectations too high for a, at home, especially because at five on five he's never been a big producer there either.
1: Yeah, and I guess, yeah, so we could bring up Tolvanen, who's also on that top power play, and he was on a hot run, he's now pointless in two games, and you know what, like, I know that, like, people, the narrative has been like, oh, he came on the top power play, and all of a sudden it turned on, so it was clearly Tolvanen, but I'm assuming, like, Roman Yosi probably helped at least a little bit, and having him out can't be great for Tolvanen being in that spot, so at this point, now that he's gone cold, are you holding on for the same reason as Ekholm?
2: Yeah, like maybe. It depends on how deep your league is. Tolvanen seemed to single-handedly solve Nashville's three-year-long power play problem, which was amazing. He's got this really great shot that he was being encouraged to use. And then I look at his last three games. Tolvanen has had exactly one shot on goal in his last three games. And those games included about nine minutes of power play time, mostly with the top unit so I don't understand why the shots dried up, especially if he was like the secret key that unlocked this long-suffering power play. I wonder if other teams started keying in on him really quick and preventing whatever passing lanes got there. Um And so I, if Nashville needs to work around that or is like, actually, no, you're not going to be the trigger man. I, I think you could probably let go of Tolvanen for now, but I still think he's got a shot at being rosterable with that top power play role, kind of like... You know, I hate to say this, but kind of like an Alex Chieson, who has that top power play deployment and you can't depend on him for really anything except hopefully a power play point here and there. I would hope Tolvanen plays a more meaningful role on the Nashville power play. But for now, uh, I mean, he's still on it, but he's just not shooting. The good news if you're in a bangers league is that if you want to hold Tolvenin, if he's not putting up points for you, he hits nearly two hits a game on average. Hmm. And we'll see if that number climbs even just another little bit as Tolvenin's time on ice on the whole continues to rise too.
1: Okay, so you're giving some reasons to maybe hold. By. I think to me, he's a clear streamer. Like he's available in a couple of my leagues. And I don't know right now. I'm not too excited, even though I know he had that good run before. Okay, let's go to Chicago now. They've got seven injuries on this list of injured players. Of course, some of them we know very well. Jonathan Taves has been there forever. Dylan Strome has been there a long time. Brent Seabrook actually just announced his retirement. So he's still on this list. I don't know if he should be there anymore, but the happy sailing Brent Seabrook. Alex Nilander, is someone who was supposed to be on this team this year. So man, like Chicago hasn't even been that bad this year. Imagine how good they would have been if they had all these guys. And actually, one guy I haven't mentioned yet that's also on the list is Kirby Doc, who was supposed to potentially take over or at least jump into the top six as a high-impact center on the team. And currently, he's skating with the team, a little ahead of schedule in recovery from his wrist surgery. Brian, I saw that you added and stashed him on your Keeping Carlson All the Patron Fantasy League team. I'd imagine you'd recommend others do the same. Like, hard not to salivate. At the possibility of him taking that spot, centering the top line with Kane and Dabrinkit, like Pia Suter has been there, uh, Kurashev I guess has been there recently, uh, I no guarantees, but you know, the competition isn't that strong, so Kirby Dock, if he does come back this season, he'd be walking into potentially a really good position
2: three words for Kirby Doc, add and stash. Absolutely. On one hand, Suter and Kuryshev haven't produced a ton with their present primo deploymento. Uh, on the other hand, Kane and Debrinket are still doing incredible though. So maybe Doc goes to work with Kubalik instead, since clearly Kane and Debrinket don't need the help, but Doc should also be a lock for top power play duties ahead of Carl Soderberg, So he's going to be in a position to put up points. Be nice if he got to play with Kane and it The opportunity might or might not be there, but either way, I still think he's definitely stashable. I mean, why not? If it's going to cost you very little, which it did me in the kick then I don't see any argument to not just put him in your IR and wait to see how his first couple games back go when he does come back, which is hopefully, I don't know, I guess at this point, it might just be in time for your fantasy playoffs.
1: Yeah, so it could be a pretty sweet upgrade, potentially, kind of like all these people like myself who drafted Tyler Sagan, hoping that he'd come back at some point this season. Now it looks like Kirby Doc could maybe come back around the same time as Sagan. So... not not nothing, and potentially a high upside there. Okay, Colorado has seven injuries on this list. Hasn't affected them much. Like, Pavel François has been gone all season. Would have been interesting to see how he would do. Brian, uh, our debate about Grubauer uh, made it onto our Clipping Carlson show, which dropped a couple of days ago. Uh, By the way, if people enjoyed that, if you didn't see it, we dropped an episode that we're thinking of doing every Saturday of just, like, kind of a quick recap of the week. Uh, Julian Paquette put it together, uh, just some clips from all the different shows from Around the Keeping Carlson Network with some of our best clips and takes, and I thought it was a really fun first episode. So we'd love your feedback on if you like having this in your feed. So tweet at us at Keeping Carlson or let us know in the Discord. Uh, either way, right? If you like it or if you don't like it, but I think Julian did a great job. But anyways, all that to say, our debate about uh, Philip Grubauer was on there because you brought up how he's not maybe doing as well as it seems from his raw numbers. And in the end of the day, though, uh, you know he's the starting goalie on this great team. So. He had another easy win today against LA, and I'm sure that will continue regardless of how good he actually is. uh Eric Johnson is still on this list. Actually, a lot of D on this list, right? Eric Johnson, Kale McCarr, and Boehm Byram all injured currently. McCarr apparently is going to potentially come back later this week, but we've been hearing that for a while, so I'll believe it when I see it. We already drooled over Sam Girard last week, and he has four points in his last four games. That was going into today, so I'm sure his managers wouldn't mind if McCarr took his time in coming back, because clearly. Really, things are going well right now for Gerard, so why mess with that? Uh, I still can't believe Brian. The Avalanche got Gerard, Bowen, Byron plus for Matt Duchesne. That trade—they like, should build a statue of Joe Sakic just for that trade. Like he had a great playing career, sure, but I think his defining uh, ca- like career moment as a hockey person is that trade with Nashville and Ottawa. It's insane.
2: Yeah, I mean, Stanley Cup, Schmanley Cup. If you just win a trade, that's statue worthy. Forget about all he did bringing cups to Colorado in his career. But no, I, I totally see what you're saying and agree with you. Honestly, I thought talking about Colorado, you might take this opportunity to feel really good about Ryan Graves being on your team. Uh, he had a super weird stat line this week. Two games where he had one assist each, but no shots on goal. And in the third game, he had six shots on goal, And no points. And to get even weirder, Ryan Graves had just one hit and four blocks over three games, too. So a very, very, very odd stat line for anyone. And also for Ryan Graves specifically. Are you still going to hold him, Elon, going into this next week?
1: Yeah, so in the Kukupful, you get like 0.5 for a block and 0.5 for a shot, and like, you know, like, little by little, he's contributing, no matter, some days, like you say, he gives me an assist, some days he gives me all the peripherals, in the end, he's giving me like 3.5-plus Kukupful points, game in, game out, which makes him, I think, better than the replacement, the best replacement defenseman in free agency. So yeah, if you're in a bangers league, you might not get all of those category stats in like one day, but over a week, I think Graves is filling your stat sheet, except for goals, I guess, though you'd expect some goals to potentially even come if he has like a another six-shot game so yeah he's tough to drop right now colorado only plays tuesday thursday saturday next week so not the best schedule but i think i'm probably holding on uh Brian, by the way uh speaking of defensemen i skipped over this in chicago i mentioned brent seabrook and his retirement uh one guy that has taken over recently as the new hotness in on defense and i guess there's been a couple people in between but uh, adam Boakvist is really crushing it for the blackhawks lately he scored on saturday in the 4-2 loss to florida which brings him to 10 points in his last a 11 games? What? Where did this come from? Now he's a so he's been a fixture on the top power play for a long time. He's got ten points in the last eleven games. Is there any reason why people shouldn't be rushing to grab him if he's still available? Like we talked about, Charlie McAvoy struggling before. Would it be crazy to drop McAvoy for Boakfast? Like hopefully you could just fit both on your roster. But I'm just curious to get a you know heat check on Adam Boakfast at this point.
2: It's a really exciting time for Adam Boakfast, the former eighth overall draft pick from the 2018 draft, drafted by Chicago, finally showing some of that offensive upside that we've been waiting for. Uh, We had eyes on Boakvist last year and uh, did nothing while we were watching, but now suddenly Boakvist is on this 59-point full season pace? Who knew that had happened, right? Unless you were watching really closely, which thankfully we are. We're going to tell you about it. But Adam Boakvist pacing for 59 points in a full 82-game season, and that power play performance that he's on right now is all the difference to his numbers. I actually asked on Twitter if anybody had seen more of his power play works. I haven't seen a ton of Chicago games this year. And as uh, Sebastian Boyer wrote back and he said, they swing around three guys at the top and Bokvist often ends up opposite of Kane looking for the backdoor shot. And that he also has a good shot from the top, which is all well and good. That's great that Bokvist is being set up to finish and shoot, except uh, he's, barely finishing or shooting on the power play. He's just piling up these secondary assists. He's got eight power play points already in 18 games. Uh, Lots of those coming in the form of secondary assists. And by the way, compare that with two power play points in 41 games for Boakvist last year. I don't know if he's going to be able to keep all of it up. he has got a 75% point participation rate right now, a 20% on-ice shooting percentage on the power play. Both those numbers are likely to regress some, but I think Boakvist is absolutely worth rostering. Even when he cools from what he's doing right now, Boakvist could still be a 45-point guy, which puts him very close to Charlie McAvoy territory. So I guess I'd look at peripherals and see exactly what else is being counted in your league. But if I had to pick points only rest of season between Boakvist and McAvoy, I'm going Boakvist.
1: Damn, wow. So I think it's a bit of a strong statement, but I can't argue with it, right? Like, especially recently, Bocafus has been the hot one. And, you know, by the way, there's only four weeks left in the Cup full season before we're in the playoffs. So, like, this season is quickly winding down, so you don't have time to wait on cold streaks, right? If you can make a swap for a hot player, it's really hard to not be tempted to just do that. Okay, we're talking about injuries uh, for this whole episode. So let's go now to St. Louis, who also has seven injuries on this list, just like Chicago and Colorado. Uh, I don't know. We haven't even really talked about it on the show but Jaden Schwartz has been out for quite a while which I guess isn't a surprise and like I feel bad for Jaden Schwartz he's had a really tough career with these injuries Uh, but uh, right now he's day-to-day so maybe he'll be back at some point soon Uh, Colton Pareko is on the shelf currently Pareko is someone who hasn't had a big power play role on the team one player who has had a big power play role on the team is Tori Krug who like McAvoy pointless in four games now. Before that, he was on a nice run. So I'd imagine you're going to say not to be too concerned, but I got to bring him up. Tory Krug, should we be panicking about Krug and this current cold stretch?
2: I don't think so. The Blues power play is doing fine. So I don't think St. Louis cares much whether Tory Krug is personally getting points on their power play goals over Krug's pointless four games. The Blues are four out of 13 with the man advantage. So why mess with that?
1: Yeah, so I, get, I think I agree with you. I don't think that his power play role is at risk. You know, it's definitely not as good as that Boston power play role. It just seemed no. like such a great spot for him. He
2: and those Boston, like that Boston top unit was a match made in heaven for Tori Krug and the forward group that was on it, too. We obviously haven't seen the same chemistry follow Krug to St. Louis or reappear with or McAvoy in Boston. So I, I just feel like that's lost fantasy value that will never see oh, no. recouped anywhere else again. And I still hope though that Krug is still like a legit rosterable power play quarterback for several years to come. He's still really talented, just uh, gonna take a lot. Uh, It would take a lot to recreate that magic that he had going in Boston. I just don't know that it's going to happen in St. Louis, the way things are going.
1: Yeah, well, one new thing, which so far hasn't worked out for Krug, but it's still something that maybe they're working on, is Vladimir Tarasenko is back, right? So he's not on this injured list anymore. We talked about his return last week. Uh, Since then, he's doing pretty well. He's got four points in four games, uh, five shots in the loss to Vegas yesterday. So, man, Brian, I really wish I drafted Tarasenko instead of Sagan. I, I stashed the wrong guy. In my auction draft. But, anyways, uh, I guess I'll, let's take a quick look at the lines. Though I will say that after a 5 1 loss, you'd expect that things might change. So I don't know if you're rushing to grab anyone, but Tarasenko was on a line with Shen and Sammy Blay. And then Ryan O'Reilly was with David Perron and Zach Sanford. So you've got Sammy Blay and Zach Sanford potentially being good streamers if they're going to be on the top six with these great players. So you could check out Game Day Lines again. That's where I'm always uh, looking and also creating the tweets not creating the tweets i guess retweeting the tweets and creating the content on game day lines and i'll be watching st louis and maybe in a deeper league i'm looking at blair sanford but you know sanford had a good run before so he'd be the one i jump on first Uh, let's go to buffalo now they've got six injuries on this list uh technically that's fewer than some of the other teams we've talked about but i definitely think that they're the ones who have suffered the most especially now with jack eichel out for the foreseeable future with his neck injury. That's a quote from the coaching staff and management in Buffalo. So, foreseeable future doesn't sound good with not that much season left. Then Dylan Cousins took over on the top line with Hall and Reinhardt, but promptly got injured himself. Keep in mind, Linus Allmark is also still weeks away from returning, so this team was already kind of a mess, and now they're just completely off the rails. I can tell you some lines from the 3-0 loss to Pittsburgh on Saturday, but I feel like it doesn't matter. They're probably going to shake things up, and even if they do or don't shake things up, maybe this team just won't score a goal for the rest of the season, right? So they ran with Hall, Reinhardt, and Riley Sheehan as a top-line center? And then Stahl, Tobias Reeder, and Victor Olofsson is the second line. Uh, the top power play was Hall, Reinhardt, Casey, Middlestat was there. And then Olofsson and Dalin so Ristol Leinen had jumped on the top power play. I guess uh, Middlestat bumped in, but again, that could all change because they did nothing in that game against Pittsburgh on Saturday At this point, like, are we recommend, like, I don't want to recommend people grab Casey Middlestat because he's on the top power play or grab Riley Sheehan because he's playing with Hall. Like, you know, I'm wondering if Hall, I should still be holding him in a couple. I'm regretting a couple weeks ago, I asked you after the show, I was like, oh, Dave Benton offered me, uh, what was it, Rupe Hints and uh, Andre Palat for Hall. And you're kind of like, no, come on, don't do that. Like, I wish I did that. Palat is crushing it. Hall's continued to do nothing. So I think the big answer here is just don't grab anyone in free agency on Buffalo if they're out there. Because, well, that's my opinion. I'm curious to know if you agree or disagree.
2: That is my opinion, too. I mean, if Jack Eichel couldn't do much as a top line center in Buffalo, who can? Actually, uh, while I'm talking about Eichel, let me just nix a misconception here about Eichel's season being god awful. Like, everyone is piling on Eichel for not scoring fair. We want to see goals from him. But you see that Eichel had 16 assists. In 21 games, right? That was tracking for a career high 62 full season assist pace. Imagine if Eichel had a fully functional team with him, like that scored at all, and how well he could be doing there. So I, like, I I don't know. I just feel like the way, if I didn't look up Eichel's numbers and I just listened to the way that people were talking about him, I would just think that he was like a half point per game player and being such a huge disappointment. But there were some bright sides. But again, uh, it still wasn't that bright in terms of what we expect from Jack Eichel, and if Jack Eichel can only do so much as a top line center in Buffalo, I don't expect Riley Shane or Casey Middlestat or anyone else to do a whole lot better. Shane has played one game in that one C role. Uh, he had one shot and no top power play time. Uh, I don't think he's capable of playing this role like we've never seen him produce. Like he's not even a guy. I think maybe in the time we've done keeping Carlson, he's had one hot streak and he's been around forever, right? So uh, I am with you, Elon, that I'm not looking at any Sabres. It would be like the same way. We, we're not saying go add Philip Khrushchev in Chicago or Pius Suter, even though they're in a great spot and the guys around them are actually scoring. They still don't seem like long-term rosterable guys. Even Eric Stahl if he were going to go up and play with Taylor Hall and Sam Reinhardt, I still wouldn't be sure I'd even want him. So I'm no. not sure anyone really becomes valuable in Buffalo with Eichel out. And it's just bad news all around.
1: Yeah. So you just said how the vibe about Eichel is that he's not doing really well, even though actually he is. Can you do the same with Hall now? Can you uh, reassure me that Hall is actually really good and I just haven't noticed?
2: Uh, Well, you still... <laughs> so what was the deal? Ruben Hinson who...
1: I and Palat. I forget about hints. Yeah. Whatever. We'll get to hints. He's injured all the time, but Palat is much better than Taylor Hall. I should have done it.
2: Uh. Well, we'll talk about Palat soon, and I. I don't know. Like, I actually am curious if that deal's still on the table. I,
1: Dave, message me. I'll do it. I think.
2: Yeah. Well, we'll t- we'll get to Palat in a bit. I mean, Hall's okay. on this fifty-point regular season pace, which is not good. Eichel was still on a seventy-point full season pace, uh, which is defensible, whereas the fifty-point pace is not.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's move on to uh, happier thoughts. We've got a lot of teams to get to. It's actually not going to be like so happy because we're going through injuries all throughout this episode. Though we're talking about some outjuries along the way. Uh, but Brian, before we get to that, let's thank a couple of sponsors of Keeping Carlson.
2: All right. Yes. Uh, as you might have noticed on your calendars, March is here and the madness has officially begun. It's time for you to shoot your shot and score big on the non-stop action going on with our sponsor, MyBookie. Select the winners from 63 tournament games in the MyBookie Bracket Contest for a chance at $10,000 in cash prizes, and it's just a buck to enter. It doesn't matter whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting the national championship winner, or simply looking for player and game props. MyBookie has you covered. You can sign up today at mybookie.ag. And use the promo code CARLSON, like the second word of our show name, to secure a deposit bonus up to $1,000 and make sure you use our promo code so they know that we hooked you up and you can support the show and say, hey, it works to uh, to sponsor Keeping Carlson. That's promo code CARLSON to claim your first deposit bonus. NHL, NBA, college ball, no matter the sport, no matter the minute. My bookie puts the action in your hands with in-game live betting. And with choice from thousands of lines and odds, you can turn game day into payday. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. And also head on over to check out the tools for responsible gambling over at responsiblegambling.org. One tip includes setting a limit and staying within it.
1: Okay, thanks, Brian. And yeah, my tip for my bookie is do not bet on the Buffalo Sabres anytime soon. I do not think that's going to work out for you. Okay, we're going to be back in a second for more Keeping Carlson. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects
0: everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Okay, we are back, Brian. A lot more teams to get to. We've gone through six. We're going through them all, looking at the injuries. Edmonton has six names on the list of injured players. No huge names, though, there, aside from Oscar Clefbaum, Some Periff guys and Cashin, Chris Russell, that may have been rostered in some categories leagues. Uh, Though the new Periff's monster in town has been Jujar Kyra, who had a measly, quote-unquote, two hits in the 2-1 loss to Vancouver yesterday after putting up five, six, eight, and even a 12-hit game versus Toronto recently, He's also been taking face offs lately. I didn't even know Jujar Kyra could take face offs. He had uh, 11 combined PIMS in the three games versus Ottawa. So, when you're in your multi category leagues, you may want to take a look at Jujar Kyra. Just don't expect any points.
2: Elon, you didn't even mention Kyra's career high 31 point pace two which is uh, really special. I it's it's a crazy season for him, right? He plays, he's averaging fewer than 10 minutes a night at 5 on 5, which is like extremely fourth line deployment and actually a career low for Kyra, but he is uh, taking his anger out on everything and everyone that moves on the ice. Kyra is pacing for 23 hits per 60 minutes. He's hitting at twice his career rate. He leads the NHL in hits per 60. Whatever, man. Like, if if you're looking for hits, you can do worse than going to just throw Jujakaira on your roster and seeing how much longer he is just throwing his body at everything in sight.
1: Okay, now let's go to Anaheim. Five injuries here, and a couple of them are defensive, right? Hampus Lindholm is out. Josh Manson has been out for a long time, and I wonder if that's part of the reason why John Gibson has continued to make his fantasy managers want to drop him. Maybe they would have wished that he would have gone day-to-day at some point so they could have put him in their IR and not sustained all of these five goals against games. Three straight five goals against games in a row now for John Gibson. He looked super dejected after that LeBanc goal on Friday before he got pulled. He only has two quarterbacks quality starts in his last 13 games last time he hasn't let in three or more goals was way back over a month ago on february 11th when he shut out the golden knights it's hard to even imagine that happening now but th- this did happen on february 11th uh, john gibson shut out the golden knights since then he's been terrible uh i mean we've talked a lot about goalies recently so i don't know how much there is to say except like if i had him i wouldn't anymore i would drop him and brian i see you just recently did the same
2: yeah i finally dropped gibson to stream in alex start. Today, which went very well for me against Detroit, so I'm very happy with that. I, I fi- like I feel liberated, finally letting go of Gibson. I mean, Elon, you can call him a snoozer, and he was legit on my roster because I was I was literally snoozing through Gibson's game on Friday night, and I didn't wake up in time to make a move. That's the only reason Gibson even lasted till the end of Saturday on my cupful roster. I guess if anyone who's still holding Gibson and is looking for hope first off, stop looking for hope. Like there, there is. Yeah, just say that you we're can, done. <laughs> you can let him go. I was just going to say that his numbers are almost like Soros in that he's doing okay at five on five, but he's doing terrible shorthanded. Like I have hate watched the Ducks box scores every night for the last month. And it's like, I've noticed an inordinate number of goals scored on John Gibson are power play goals against. And yeah, he looks okay at five on five, but that that high shot volume that we got used to seeing in Anaheim that he could beef up his save percentage with, even if he did give, give up power play goals against, uh, that it's not there anymore. So more shots on goal... I mean, I guess on one hand, you could say that would be good for Gibson. On the other hand, he really sucks so far. So uh, that might just also mean more goals again. So uh, you're right, Elon. I could have stopped this 20 seconds ago and just said, uh, you are free. Everyone has permission to go ahead and drop John Gibson. I'm still like, he's on my watch list. I'm still going to keep an eye out. I still think he's a very good goalie. It's just not going right for him this year.
1: Yeah, maybe when Hampus Lindholm and Josh Manson are back, I don't know. Uh, Brian, you mentioned that like people might be snoozing on Gibson. I feel like he's more than snoozing. It's like uh, we need a term for when you're snoozing on an uncomfortable bed with no lumbar support, and then you wake up the next morning and you've got like a sore neck and like a crick in your back. That's what you're doing if you still have John Gibson. On that your is lineup.
2: what happened to me. I fell asleep yeah. on the couch,
1: and how was your neck the next day?
2: It was awful.
1: Oh no. <laughs> Okay. Well, I'm sorry, Brian. Oh, man, you mentioned your injury at the start of the show of your ankle. Now your neck. Take care of yourself. Please. I, actually,
2: I actually just meant figuratively awful.
1: Oh, okay. So that's good to hear. Yeah. Uh, though I'm sorry for your loss with Gibson and him ruining your stats. Okay, let's go to Dallas now. They've got five injuries on the list, but one name no longer on the list is Alex Radulov, who has been practicing and returned today in the game against Columbus. Let's check that stat line here. No goals, no assists, but five shots on goal. So I'm happy to see that. That means Radulov's obviously been super involved. I can check the lines really quickly over on Frozen Tools, and I see Radulov played the most minutes on his line with Rupe Hints. Oh, Rupe Hints actually played and jason robertson uh he was also getting some power play time so yeah radulov is back and you're definitely gonna want to get him back on your rosters i mean you know let's not go crazy he did have that down year last year but if he's the kind of guy that you drafted you're definitely happy to have him back and you gotta love seeing five shots on goal Brian, what is with this Rupe hints thing, by the way? He's been a game time decision every single game. Like in a league like the Cacuffle where we only do free agent ads once a night, uh, it's really, must be really frustrating to roster him because you don't know whether he's gonna play or not until like a minute before. I've never seen anything like this before. Like, what do you do with this guy? Like, it's tough to drop him. He had a goal in three straight games going into today, along with a couple of apples in that stretch. Like, he's been super hot when he plays, but that stretch of three games also included two games where he was late scratched. So what do you do? I don't even know. I don't even have any advice here. Like, I guess you hold him, but he's kind of hurting you because randomly in the last minute... And what if you're just not available in that moment to, like, swap him out for someone on your bench? You end up, like, wasting a roster spot.
2: It's... So hard to know what to do with Rupe Hintz. It's definitely hard to drop a guy scoring at a 77-point pace. Even if you know, Elon, that I'm going to tell you, it's not going to sustain that way because... Well, of course,
1: because he's on Dallas, and you have a policy where anytime I bring up anyone on Dallas, you say how they're bad. And by the way, Joe Pavelski scored a goal today, but on the fourth line, so I don't know. Who knows with this Dallas team? Yeah,
2: so first, the first reason that it's not going to sustain is that that Dallas power play, I always say this, anybody who's, re- who's really... Like, all these inflated point totals on Dallas are because that power play was just wild. And that power play has already slowed down. Um, the other reason that Rupe Hintz's production might not be sustainable is that uh, he has five points in the last three games. In those five points, three goals on seven shots. He's shooting 20% on the season with seven goals on 35 shots on goal. Like, I don't like Ruben Hintz. I've had him on my fantasy team before. It didn't turn out well for me. I believe largely in his talent, but as you said, you know exactly how I feel about anyone in Dallas, and Hints is currently in Dallas. So maybe this is a hot take, but if Hints is costing you critical games played, I would look past the 77-point pace and just cut bait and take the chance on Hints not being worth rostering for the whole season. If, if he were on my team and I didn't know who my streaming spot was, it would be Rupe Hins and I wouldn't feel bad about it.
1: Wow. Okay, or at least maybe you could just stash him in IR next time he goes on day-to-day like he often does instead of just dropping him out right and maybe try to trade him. I don't know, but clearly he has a lingering injury, and he's going to be in and out of the lineup continuously the rest of the way. Like, I don't see anything changing. So uh, it's rough. Uh, and Brian's saying he doesn't even like his numbers uh, as being sustainable. So that maybe helps you try to solve this problem a little bit. Okay, LA uh, just had an injury with Ayafalo. He was on the list with an illness, but he came back today. But then... Brown was injured, so Dustin Brown was out, which meant that Adrian Kempe got to go on the top line in both of LA's last couple of games, taking each of their places to play with Kopitar, but unfortunately Kempe hasn't gotten a point in either of those games. Previously, he had six goals in three games. He was like the stream of the week early on, including a hat-trick. Uh, so Kempe has been awesome and guess what Brian LA next week once again has the streamagami they're playing Monday Wednesday Friday and Sunday I don't have the music ready to queue. you'll have to listen to the stream scheme to hear the streamagami music but he has a really good schedule I, you don't see that too often like a team playing Monday Wednesday Friday Sunday two weeks in a row so anyone who grabbed Kempe I know that now he's cold for two games but I'd imagine you gotta just hold on to him because he has that good schedule he might be playing on the top line he's been on the top power play this whole time and he's clearly shown that he's the type of player that can go off and give you a big night and I think that's like something it's a underrated like quality in someone you stream in there's like some players who like whatever have a certain point pace a 40 point pace like yeah you could grab this guy like Jesper Bratt might give you a goal might give you an assist but like there's not many guys who like you think like this guy could give me a hat trick like it's not likely but it could happen and Kempe's done it a couple times already this year so you never know maybe it could happen again
2: Kempe definitely working himself into the Frank Vitrano tier of streamers that way as someone, yeah, you can add in and he could totally change your week, which would be great. And with his schedule coming up, absolutely. Be interested. Just know that one thing we really liked about him at the start of the season was how often he took shots on net. In the two games that he scored five goals, he had 12 shots, which is fantastic. I'm not even gonna gonna ding him for a shooting percentage. If you take six shots a night... You score on half of them. Go ahead. I'm not gonna complain or say it's unsustainable because you're still taking six shots a night. Uh, but all the games around that, he uh, like his shot get- rates really have tapered off since a kind of exciting start to the season. But he still kind of takes these big shot games in bursts. So still absolutely worth the stream. But you know me, I've at least got to provide one. Tiny counterpoint, but I would definitely hold Kempe for next week. He's also been on the top power play. And I'll throw out another uh, player in LA who might not be rostered right now uh, with their great schedule coming up Gabe Velarde. We've mentioned him on the show before. He's more like that 40 point guy streamer who may or may not do anything for you, like that Yes for Brat. Not a lot of points for Velarde, but uh, he has points in every other game for the last month. So that makes him a good deep league option, someone to watch who I think also has the potential to keep on improving as the year moves on. So just someone to keep an eye on if you're looking for a deep stream with a good schedule this week
1: yeah and plus in your dynasty leagues looks like this guy could be someone with a lot of upside moving forward uh by the way we also still don't know the status of jonathan quick i haven't seen an update since like thursday uh so cal peterson went on the COVID list came off the COVID list so now it looks like we might be getting a lot of cal peterson starts and today yeah he lost four to one to colorado but he led in only three goals on 40 shots so it wasn't his fault uh unfortunately la doesn't have much of an easier schedule next week that's streamagami which by the way i'm being corrected isn't officially a streamagami because that means it's monday wednesday friday sunday all like light schedule days but actually monday is a busy day so you gotta really make sure you get your terminology right with stream scheme but okay uh either way they're playing st louis twice and then vegas twice so i don't know how much easier it's gonna get for la but cal peterson's you know doing his best and the kings are gonna have to figure out how to score a goal to help him out here get Campe another hat trick okay let's go to Ottawa now they've got four injuries on this list no one really of note like nothing recent uh but they're playing right now against Toronto and winning uh four to one so how about that and Drake Batherson has two goals so I don't know this isn't really content for the show I don't really have anything to say about Ottawa I guess I can report on our Evgeny Dadanov bet last week we talked about uh you said you think he's going to be above a 50 point pace rest of the season I said below and then he had two goals in three games versus edmonton so not looking good for me so far i guess i was underrating this guy uh does he have any points today brian am, am i even further in the hole here with Datanov? and answering my own question as i bring it up yeah no he has no points today so i uh, all of a sudden now two points in four games uh, correct me if i'm wrong that's only a 41 <laughs> okay. point pace so i'm ahead
2: <laughs> all right yeah so you celebrate that prematurely as much as you want to i, I had two guys i wanted to bring up to talk when we talked about Ottawa, like no no big names, but uh, guys worth talking about. And in the box score tonight, I see they've made themselves even more worth talking about. One was Ryan Dezingle, who had two goals in his first two games played once returning to Ottawa and a trade with Carolina. He had nothing since with not a lot of shots on goal. His minutes weren't great. Power play too. But he does have... A goal on five shots tonight. So that's uh, that's something. He's only played eight minutes, but we're only uh, we're only at the end of the second. So he's pacing for 12 minutes, uh, which isn't awesome. But one goal on five shots is. So there's a decent deep league option in Ottawa. And then the other name I was going to mention was Joey Decord, who uh, so far, uh, I don't want to jinx anything. He stopped 20 of 21 against Toronto so far tonight after two periods. And I think he's just looked generally solid. I think he might be, and this isn't saying much, but Joey Decord might be as fine a spot start As Matt Murray has been and like I don't know maybe he can push into a timeshare because Matt Murray has not been consistent at all although what goalie could be behind this Ottawa team but Joey Decord is making the case to be seeing more regular games Uh, pop quiz Elon, do you know who the Ottawa backup is in tonight's game
1: oh it's not Matt Murray
2: it's not Matt Murray and I don't know why and Hogberg is
1: injured I think
2: oh Matt Murray went down in the warm-ups
1: oh no So I don't know. Hogberg's out. So who is it?
2: Kevin Mandeliz.
1: I do not know this person.
2: (laughs) I don't. Neither do I. And I don't know if we will. But there you go. Emergency call up from the taxi squad.
1: Well, keep in mind, then if Matt Murray is out long term, then Joey Decord. I mean, again, like there's a lot of leagues I'm in where Matt Murray has been in free agency all year, except for like short little stretches. So I don't know if you're rushing to grab Joey Decord, but if you need saves and if Murray is out, there you go. William Nadeau actually already said that he likes Decord. He's liked what he's seen from him. He thinks he's better than Hogberg. When Hogberg is back, he thinks Decord should stay as the backup or maybe even tandem guy with Murray. So we'll wait and see what happens.
2: We also have a a patron, a listener, a tier one competitor who has worked with Joey Decord in the past and has had lots of really great things to say about, like worked with him in a hockey uh, capacity and has had some really great things to say about him. So I am very interested to see uh, how much he can do, especially if he gets a chance. I mean, like I said, don't expect consistency. But like you said, Elon, if you want saves, Joey Decord could be a nice little option for you.
1: By the way, Brian, I'm being informed in the chat room that Shane has Kevin Mandelisi on his team in my <laughs> Dynasty League with him, so he's heard of him. Uh, I'm I'm happier with Decord at the moment. All right, let's go to Pittsburgh. They've got four injuries, and that recently increased to four with Jared McCann joining Jason Zucker on the IR. Uh So, uh, as always, I thought this season would be the year finally where we don't have to keep checking in on who's the random guy in the top six because it looked like they were finally going to have you know their six good players. With Zucker out, we're once again throwing random names. So, in the shutout over Buffalo, we had Crosby with Rust and Gensel. No randoms there. And then Malkin with Kapanen and Evan Rodriguez. So, uh Kapanen was pointless on Saturday but still has eight points in his last six games. So, he seems like an obvious guy to add because... Pittsburgh has quite the schedule next week. They play five times, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. So if Kapanen's out there, you're grabbing him right now, no question. Brian, if it's between Kapanen and Kempe for next week, which, by the way, you can't just compare like you know the number of games, exactly like five versus four. You have to actually check how many games you'll be able to fit this person into your lineup. So say it was the same number of games. You're going to get each of them into four games. Uh, do you go with Kapanen or Kempe? I'm just curious.
2: I'm going to go with Kasperi Kapanen. He's getting better and better after a start. That like was initially very strong and then he disappeared completely and it seemed a little rocky but i've watched some pittsburgh games lately and have really liked what i've seen from him going by the the eye test elon which i do use uh, much to some of our listeners surprise i'm sure i do watch the game <laughs> robots uh, have eyes <laughs> <laughs> yes i guess what? cameras they have sensors
1: yeah <laughs> i uh, thought you just took in data and processed it and spat it out i thought that was what you do
2: I mean, that's still what I'm doing when I watch a hockey game. Too. Right.
1: <laughs> You're using your uh, eye sensors. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, that said, like as happy as I am with Kapanen's performance, his 5-on-5 on ice shooting percentage is approaching 16%, which ain't going to hold. Usually we're looking at a number closer to 9%, maybe closer to 10% if he is playing with a Crosby or Malkin. So expect some regression in Kapanen's numbers. But... With Malkin, who's officially back on his point production game, I'd like to think Kapanen starts as a 50 to 55 point guy rest of the season, likely worth rostering the whole way through. He doesn't get as many shots on net as Kempe, but I think he's going to have more points and and point more consistently too. So I would take Kapanen over Kempe. Do you concur?
1: Yeah, sounds right. Uh, especially just with his line mates. Like playing with Kopitar is definitely not bad, but I guess that doesn't compare with playing with Malkin. Uh, then maybe if you're going in a deeper league, who would you take between Evan Rodriguez, who, like I said, is also playing with Malkin and Kapanen on that second line, Or you can take Brandon Tanev, who's also on this team and has five games next week. He's not on as sweet of a line, but he's got a five-game point streak going to go along with his generally big hit numbers. So like, it's almost like a philosophical question, right? Do you go with the player on a better line, but that's cold? Or do you go with a player who's hot, but not on a good line?
2: I would go with the former. So I'd go with Evan Rodriguez here. If your league counts hits, this is a no-brainer. You go Brandon Tanev. But yeah, I will go Rodriguez playing with Malkin. How could I suggest otherwise? Would you suggest otherwise? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm going Tanev here, and I'd be happy to make a bet for this week of uh, Rodriguez versus Tanev. One reason is that if you're in a limited moves league and you're using one of them to add Rodriguez, there's no guarantee he stays on that line, right? That could be Zach Aston Reese on Tuesday. Meanwhile, Tanev is doing fine where he is.
2: The truth is that Rodriguez has had these opportunities before and done a little with them. I just expect the guy to be – like, the guy in the better position is the guy I'd rather – So if you asked me who to take for the next game, I'd say Rodriguez. If you asked me to take it for the next week, yeah, maybe I'd say Brandon Tanov because I don't have to worry about his deployment, but his deployment sucks no matter what so like can
1: we talk about it for a sec like just in general like deployment i know you me like ben and lewis like we're always deployment 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 but like there's got to be something to like brandon tanev having a good season and putting up points like yeah he's not playing with malkin but clearly that third line plays sometimes clearly like it's not just complete luck i assume that brandon tanev is on a five game point streak like i'm not saying he's going to continue to be on a point streak for another five games but he's shown that he must have some ability to put up points which we haven't seen from rodriguez so it can't only be about deployment right
2: no and so the of course you can go with a hot hand too I, I think that's reasonable we've seen rodriguez be like a point per game player at his peak which was i guess three
1: four years ago did you say point per game player for rodriguez sorry a
2: half point per game okay player yeah, big difference <laughs> three or four years ago and ten of has never reached that mark and is on a bit of a heater so like i think both Options are perfectly defensible. I don't think there's a right answer here. This just goes to your your fantasy manager style. And my style would go with Rodriguez because, you know, I never expect something unsustainable to last even one more game
1: fair enough yeah but for the record I'm not expecting Tanev to continue this point streak but I think he can maybe get you two points in the next five games we'll see if my, his two if, if we're making this bet I think it's going to be like I'm going to win two to one on Tanev versus Rodriguez okay let's go to Tampa Bay another team that plays five games this week and another team with four injuries currently on this TSN list one of those names is Nikita Kucherov who news just came out that he's on track with his recovery which led to a huge percentage ownership spike on Yahoo, which is kind of interesting, right? Because like, he's on track. They didn't say he's like ahead of schedule. They said he's on track. And the plan was for him to be back in time for the playoffs. So I'm not exactly sure what people are doing. I think people got overly excited yeah. and are expecting that this means he's going to be back like next week. But as far as I know, please correct me if I'm wrong, as far as I know, he's going to be back for the NHL playoffs maybe a couple games before, but not anytime soon.
2: Yeah. And Tampa, I think, physically can't bring him back because of the cap implications it would cause so it's fun and and exciting to to see that Kucherov is coming back and getting ready but even if he is 90 or 100 percent say a month before the regular season ends he ain't playing
1: yeah so it's it's great to hear and I'll bet you he's going to be a huge part of Tampa's second cup in a row you've heard it here first I'm calling Tampa Bay to win the cup again but uh it? did you
2: just like decide that now on the fly
1: No, I've been thinking that for a while. I think Tampa's looking so good like without Kucherov, and we know Kucherov's coming back. It just seems like, why shouldn't they win it again, I guess? And and I'm assuming, by the way, that Colorado's going to have all their goalies injured again, like usual, so that's going to knock them out. And then, who's the competition, really? So, yeah, my bet right now is Tampa, but obviously, this Stanley Cup, anything could happen. Too bad it's not like that March Madness, where there's just one game. Then, really, anything could happen, right? You get eliminated after one loss. Even in a seven-game series, anything could happen. Okay, I don't know what I'm talking about here. Let's get back to Tampa Bay. Brian, I just wanted to mention, we brought it up before, and I guess you teased it that we'll talk about it here, so I've I've got the allocated time in front of me. Andre Palat, this guy, so good. He had two assists versus Nashville on Saturday in the 6-3 win. He's now up to 26 points in 26 games. For Andre Palat, point wow. per game. He he has a career high 69 point pace way back in 2014-15. He's been more of a 45 to 50 point guy over the past 3 seasons, but clearly this increase in his deployment, like he's been playing with either like Stamkos or Point and on the top power play since like midway through last season all through the playoffs and now all the way through this year. Are we at a point where, at least for the rest of this season, until, like, you know, things change, the lines change or something, which I don't think are going to happen this season, are we at a point where we have to just assume that this Andre Palat point per game is for real and he's going to continue it rest of the way?
2: Would you believe, Elon? Actually, let me put it this way. How well do you think Palat is scoring at 5-on-5 this year? Do you think better or worse or the same as always?
1: Okay, so I guess the fact that you're asking the question makes me assume that you're going to say it's worse, and then he's getting all the success on the power play, and you're going to say the power play is like not as sustainable, so you'd expect that to fall off. So actually, you're going to say that Palad is n- worse than usual.
2: So, you, uh, so Palad is doing about the same at five on five as he always had. Like he's not doing anything different than he's done for the last several years, but you are right that I am about to say that everything Palat is adding to his point totals is coming on the power play. Palat has 15 power play points in 26 games. If you do uh, some quick back of the napkin math here, that puts him on a pace for 47 power play points in 82 games, which is wild. I mean, Palat has already tied his career high 15 power play points, which he racked up in three times as many games back in 2016-17. Of course, he's playing on the top unit, which is really great. But even on the top unit, Palat can't keep this up. And here's uh, one way to explain why he can't. Palat has been on the ice for 19 Tampa power play goals. He scored seven of them himself, by the way, on 16 shots. So he's shooting 44% on the power play. And then on the remaining 12 power play goals that Palat didn't score, he assisted on eight of them, which means that Palat has points on 15 of 19 Tampa power play goals this year. Uh, This Tampa power play is good, right? Um, They're like pretty dangerous, of course, that goes without saying, but they're also fourth in shooting percentage in the league, which I don't think they're so good that they deserve to be shooting quite as well as they are. So I'd expect... Some of Pilates' production to tail off on the power play. So, uh, Elon, I said 47 power play points is not sustainable for the rest of the season. What do you think would be a sustainable? Power play point pace for Andre Polat rest of season.
1: Okay, so you're saying pace rest of season, so like yeah. assuming that we stretch it over 82 games. Uh, I Normally, like, a player gets like 25 plus power play points if they're like on the top power play and like a big part of it. And then like the really elite ones, we're talking like 30 to 35. So I'll give him like 25 to 30 since he's clearly a big part of this power play.
2: Okay, so take that number... Add 35 points, full circle here, going back to his five-on-five production. Add 35 points to that number from five-on-five. And right there, you'll have what a fair expectation is for him rest of season. So what you did, Elon, if you give him 25 points, Palat is a 60-point player the rest of the way. Which, Wow. Uh, yeah. Right now, point per game, 26 points in 26 games. So, uh I, like, I know this is hard. I don't have Palat on any of my teams, uh, so I can't. Practice what I preach. I can't put this into action, but I wonder if you sell high. And Elon, I'm wondering if Dave is listening. Your couple opponent who offered you Palad already and is going to reconsider offering him up again for Taylor Hall after hearing all that. Would you take the deal?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what's Hall pacing for? Fifty. Yeah, fifty. <laughs> I can't take Dude, it anymore with him. To get better. But also, like Palat can get more power play points, right? He doesn't have to be twenty five pace. Also, he could do better at even strength. Like he is playing with good line mates, like with Steven Samco So, like I'm not going to be complaining seems too sustainably much.
2: sustainably doing the same he's always done at five on five.
1: I'm very happy with what Palat's doing, <laughs> okay. and obviously, you're saying he might regress on the power play. But I don't know he'd have to be—he'd have to really regress to get to Taylor Hall <laughs> at this point. Uh, <laughs> By the way, same as my Pittsburgh question for another philosophical question of better line versus hot streak, but let's say for next week, again, five games, so you might want to be wanting to stream in a Tampa player. Let's say you could take Yanni Gourd, who's pointless in three games, but currently playing with Stamkos and Killorn. Oh, so I said Palat's playing with uh, Stamkos. Currently, uh, Palat's been playing with uh, Braden Point, and they've split up Point and Stamkos. But okay, so Gourd is playing with Stamkos and Killorn, or you can go with line three Blake Coleman, so I guess the Brandon Tanev of Tampa, who has two mul- multi-point games in his last three games uh so who would you prefer to stream in next week if both are available between gourd and coleman
2: i'm gonna take option c here please and ask you what about tyler johnson tyler johnson has seven points in his last eight games a bunch of two-shot games so on those merits alone johnson seems like a better option than blake coleman uh but yanny gourd does have that top deployment he's the evan rodriguez right now in tampa So I guess if I want to be consistent with what I said in Buffalo, uh, not Buffalo, uh, Pittsburgh, I'll take Yanni Gord, Tyler Johnson, and then Blake Coleman as my third choice of those three. But I think Johnson is uh, is kind of an interesting option as sort of the Brandon Tenev, but with a little more skill.
1: Yeah, perhaps. Okay, so there you go. Some options for you if you're considering trying to get in on these five games. Uh, there's also, by the way, this guy Eric Cernak. If you need a D, he's got one goal and four assists in his last four games. Three shots in each of his last three games. So another good get for five-game week if you need D. Uh, Brian, let's go now to the Vancouver Canucks, who also have four injuries on this list, headlined by Elias Petterson, who's definitely going to miss at least the beginning of next week with his upper body injury. We'll see if he gets back in by the end of the week. Might be a good time to take a look at Tanner Pearson, who's likely in free agency across the board after going pointless in 11 games straight. But he's been the one who's gotten on the top power play in Pettersson's absence, and he finally got off the schneid on Saturday. He got a power play assist in the 2-1 win over the Oilers, along with six shots on goal. Uh, so Tanner Pearson, he was a solid. 53 point pace guy last season not with top power play deployment i don't know what happened this year for him to fall off so badly like he's generally kept similar deployment but either way with a monday wednesday schedule versus ottawa and with Patterson out and him on the top power play i feel like he's got to be a pretty good stream right now right
2: yes yes okay i'm gonna say yes so a good stream tanner pearson sure I just, with your framing, you're like, I don't know why he fell off so bad from last year when he was on that 53-point pace, but that was a career-high point pace for Tanner Pearson. So I think the question is actually, what went right for him last year where Tanner Pearson went from being like a 28- to 45-point guy to his 53-point pace in his Vancouver debut? And the answer is that Pearson got some friendly variance that's fallen off in this Season and that's why Tanner Pearson has not had so much success converting because he wasn't he hasn't been getting as much luck as he got in his first year in Vancouver. So I think Tanner Pearson is probably like a fifty-ish point guy at best, but I like him on the top power play, of course, for as long as that lasts. Uh, but if you're thinking of adding him as a permanent addition to your roster, I would consider Tanner Pearson to be more of a perma-stream type guy with 40 to 45 points being a safer expectation, all things being back to normal when Pedersen's back in the lineup, kind of like a, a Dylan Dubé type who, by the way, was mentioned on the stream scheme this week as one stream schemer, schemer to stream, streamer to stream. One of those made sense. So let's just keep them all. Uh, Dave is actually one at 5-1-1 one on the season in, in picking streamers, uh, which is fantastic. And we actually just finished talking about one on Tampa and one on Pittsburgh. But you'll have to go listen to the stream scheme to find out. But if you're listening to Kevin Carlson right now and you want to know about Tanner Pearson, stream him in on the top power play. But otherwise, don't make any long-term plans for him
1: oh yeah, I definitely agree with you 100%. I was literally saying, he's on the top power play, and they play Ottawa Monday, Wednesday, like, end of story. I like him for those two games and then figure things out after that. Okay, let's go to Carolina. We're down to the teams now who have three injuries on the TSN injury list. Carolina has a tough one, though, because Vincent Trocek joins Mrazek and Tevo Teravainen. That's a tough three to be out of the lineup. Not that it's hurting Carolina that much. They just beat Detroit today 2-1, to so I guess they're keeping on rolling, but man, not good news for Trocek, right? Sarah. Siv tweeted: Rod Brindamore does not sound optimistic about Vincent Trocheck's return. Says it's an upper body injury that will keep him out, quote unquote, longer than hoped. Uh, won't say weeks or months. I'm hearing it's longer term, but of course things can change so I guess we don't know for sure like there hasn't been an official update from Carolina on how long Trocek will be out but this is rough news for a guy who we've been lauding all season for how well he did and now he's gone so that stinks uh but in the meantime I guess good news from Martin Nietzsche who has been playing on the top line and top power play with Aho, also rider on that top line and Nietzsche had eight points in six games going into today which brought him to 19 points in 23 games on the season I'll do a quick check now to see what happened today I see that uh, O'Brien, oh, Mantha scored for Detroit. We just streamed him in one of our leagues. So that's cool. But anyways, for uh, Carolina, Niederreiter scored from Aho and Slavin, and Dougie Hamilton scored. So nothing for Nichas there, but that doesn't take away from this amazing run that he's been on. Do you think that this guy can stick at a 70-plus point pace moving forward if this deployment sticks? Like, let's say Trochik is out long term. All of a sudden, you've got Nichas with Ajo, again, at evens and with the man advantage. That's a really good spot, and he's clearly a very talented player. Or are you going to give him the Palat treatment and tell me about how he's overperforming on the top power play, and it's not going to last?
2: No, I'm going to tell you how Martin Nichas is overperforming from the second power play. He's putting up okay. top <laughs> power play production from the second unit, but now that... Trocek's return is nowhere apparently in sight, and Nietzsche is actually going on the top power play. That could just work out fine for Martin Niches, and he could keep up what would have otherwise been unsustainable power play production. And also add in that Nietzsche, this poor guy, has just a single goal at five on five, even though he's taken 32 shots, which means that Niches is shooting 3% this year, which is worse than we expect from your average NHL defenseman, let alone forward. Uh, and Nietzsche is also shooting more often this year than he did last year as a rookie. So I would have expected him to have potted a few more goals by now. They'll come. He's on the top power play. I am pretty excited about Nietzsche holding the 65 plus point pace so long as he holds this top power play role
1: yeah he's been great anyone who drafted him is really enjoying life now assuming they held on through all of Carolina's missed games Uh, so Minnesota also has three injuries one of them is Marcus Foligno which obviously, right, like, he was on my opponent's team in the couple last week, another Marcus, and Foligno destroyed me, and now that he was done with me, now he, you know, went cold and then eventually got injured, so that's too bad. He was on a really good run, having a good season, so I feel bad for Marcus Foligno. Uh Hopefully, he'll be back soon. In the meantime, Brian, we were really high on Kevin Fiala recently. We were telling people, like, if he's available, go grab him! And then he went totally cold, only two goals in seven games going into today, and he was pointless with only one shot over his previous two games. Again, going in today so when I prepped this document last night I was going to ask you at this point like is Fiala someone like people are asking so they should drop him like if you have any reassurance and so you uh I have a feeling you were going to say that Fiala is good I guess you let me know but I should point out that since I wrote that Minnesota beat Arizona four to one today including a goal and an assist for Fiala so really if I was prepping this today I wouldn't even ask this question but since I did and you already prepped it what do you think about this guy? He's gone cold. He's been hot. He's not on the best line. Like he's been playing on the third line, according to the line combos. Maybe you're going to, you know, say that, no, that's not the third line because Parisi's is on that line. But like in general, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on Kevin Fiala at this point, who's been a lot more inconsistent than I would have liked, but I'm happy with his production today.
2: I'd say it's not the third line because Kevin freaking Fiala is on that line and Zach Parisi too. But uh, I'm so excited. Like sometimes, things just work out like we work so hard to try and project and anticipate and this is just some instant gratification for me i was prepping uh, like researching kevin fiala before The Minnesota game started today and here's what I wrote I said the hot run for Fiala that he had earlier this year was definitely not a fluke and that two things were happening for him to hurt him in his production so far first is that Fiala is only seeing 14 minutes of ice a night uh the second is that he doesn't have a centerman uh like okay fine Joel Erickson Eck is fine uh, Nick Benino, probably not so fine. These compared to Miko Koivu, who he seemed to really work well with last year. And then the third thing, actually, that I'm going to add is that no goals were being scored while Fiala was on the ice. Is on, team's on-ice shooting percentage with Kevin Fiala was 6.5% at 5-on-5. Five five. So he had only picked up three assists. And then we talked about the powerless Minnesota power play last week, which definitely had affected Kevin Fiala and I wrote before the game today that this is still a really good buy low window for Kevin Fiala and that maybe you want to wait for his time on ice to go back up and just I couldn't love his stat line today anymore time on ice back up to over 17 minutes that powerless Minnesota power play guess what Kevin Fiala scored a goal power play goal with it and then how he only had three assists, guess what? Kevin Fiala added another assist today. So he checked all three boxes that I pointed out as saying, these are all going to fix. They're all going to redeem themselves. And so if maybe you can try and go to the Kevin Fiala owner and like be like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, want to sell high? And maybe they'll be like, oh, finally, Kevin Fiala did something. I can unload him now for some kind of value. You're winning that deal.
1: I mean... Yeah, I like it. I have Fiala in one of my leagues. Like, we should point out that was the second power play that Fiala scored from, right? He only played a mid-25 on the power play. The top unit played a lot more, over four minutes for Zuccarello, Bukestad, Kaprizov, Suter, and Spurgeon. And Fiala was on the second unit. Yeah, they scored a power play goal, which is nice, but it's not exactly like he's got the primo deploymento so far. He's also playing at even strength with Greenway and Ryan Hartman currently, I guess, this his main center. So still not a great situation. Uh I guess, yeah, I like him. He's clearly very talented, and I'd love to see more stat lines like today. But... On the other hand, like you could say that after a game like today, that's a good time to actually sell high and finally rid yourself of this concerning deployment, which I, like, I agree with you that he's okay. good. But I don't love a second power play guy so, that I could trade for someone really good.
2: So I would be the one approaching you saying, don't you want to get rid of your Kevin Fiala? And you'd be like, oh, yes, please. I guess we'll see. Do you want to make a bet on this at all? Let's make like- a
1: trade. Who who would you offer me? Let's say for real, like in your league, you don't have Fiala in Kakupful. Okay. who are you offering me?
2: Uh, okay. Let me pull up my roster.
1: Okay, uh, here we go. Live trade between divisions, and you know what? You would think that's not allowed, but we're the commissioners, so this is allowed.
2: <laughs> Sean Monahan.
1: Okay, I think I would do that. Okay, Monahan also just had a big game.
2: There it is. So Sean Monahan for uh, versus Kevin Fiala from March fifteenth onwards um are we doing points or a couple points
1: i mean so the thing is I, if i was actually offered this trade i wouldn't just accept it right away like this i would look at like games played and see like i know calgary's played a lot more games in minnesota because minnesota had that stretch so maybe so, like if we were could do
2: points per game
1: points per game moving forward i'll take uh yeah i'll take monahan over fiala for that okay regular uh, points not reg- a couple points okay
2: regular point pace from march 15th onwards done
1: Okay, put that on the bet board. I'm going to win that. I'm going to win the enough bet. I'm going to be huge. i got to start betting actual things with you. You <laughs> say that every time. I know. Well, then I usually lose these bets. So it's yeah, good that exactly. Always- <laughs> okay. Uh, by the way, in Nets for Minnesota, uh, so really, William Nadeau crushed it again, like I said already on that interview on Thursday. One thing he said that was really smart was like, even though Kockinen is doing really well, he still didn't rank him so high. And he said, because all it will take is like a game or two good games from Talbot and everything can change. And look at that. Talbot got in the net on Friday. I don't think people expected. They assumed that they would just continue rolling out Cochran since he was doing really well. But no, Talbot went in on Friday, got a shutout. Then Talbot got the start again today versus Arizona and stopped 21 of 22 shots. So I don't know. Maybe they go to Cochran next, maybe not. But either way, just goes to show you that you don't want to be betting big on one of these backup goalies that seems to be taking over the job from the guy who was the starter going into the year, because there's a reason why they had Talbot as the starter going into the year. It's because they want him to be the starter, and obviously Kackinen is the future, but Talbot is still probably the present. So, yeah, I don't know. like. I don't have any predictions. Like it's really hard to predict what's going to happen. But they both like Talbot seems good on this Minnesota team. So, uh, yeah, if you you know traded someone big for Kackinen, you might be regretting it right now.
2: I would be surprised if the timeshare swung any greater than a sixty forty split. And by that I mean like any one of them sees more than sixty percent of the starts going forward. So I, I think it's gonna be pretty even, but yeah, uh, I think when Cam Talbot struggled upon returning from injury and was just like, Oh yeah, Kagan, like Kagan was crushing it and giving up a lot for him and maybe yeah, maybe you just wanna walk that back a little bit if you are one of those
1: people. Okay, so on Philly, they've got three injuries as well. No one really significant. Morgan Frost, and I feel bad for him. Remember, he came in for like one or two games and got good deployment. We were talking about him on the show. Like, oh, I wonder if this guy will be good. Maybe an example of someone to not get too excited about just because of deployment until he actually does something. But unfortunately, Morgan Frost got injured, so we'll see if he can come back next year and finally do something. But anyway, since we're on Philly, I've got to mention. So this is a guy who was injured at one point. If actually, if you go back and listen to an episode from the start of the season, I remember I had read and I shared this story of how Shane Gosses was coming into camp finally healthy, and the coach was saying, like, AV was saying, like, you know, Bear tells me that he's finally healthy, and apparently these last couple of years where he's struggled, he's been, like, dealing with injuries, and he hasn't been himself, and then AV was like, well, so we'll wait and see, I'm happy to give him the opportunity if he's actually able to perform like he used to, well, I don't know, I think that might be true, right, like, Bear has finally, it took him a little while, but he's finally gotten on the top power play, which we brought up a little while ago, and he is doing so well, I really hope you listened to us when we brought him up a couple weeks ago, and grabbed him, he got a power play goal on Saturday, so that's 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 a three-game power play point streak now for Shane Uh, Gosses-Beher. I mean, we all know that he used to be a 70-point guy in this spot, and now he's in this spot. So I can't imagine a reason why he should be in free agency in any league. Like Brian, I guess the big comparable here for me would be Gosses-Beher versus, like, an Adam Boakvist. But I think that both should be rostered. Uh, But I'm curious to know, do you see them as, like, equal at this point?
2: Oh, that's a a good question. I think think i'll go yes but i really like that goss's bear has had four or more shots on goal in three of his last five games to quote my favorite podcaster ever yum 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 is that me that's you
1: oh okay (laughs) uh so i guess shane is giving a counterpoint that shane goss's bear has been bad defensively so maybe that will mean that he'll like that would be so so frustrating right if like all of a sudden he's getting all these power play points but then he gets healthy scratched but it could happen but for now he's doing well
2: I think Shane is just jealous of another Shane doing better than him.
1: (laughs) There could only be one. Okay, that's good, Brian. You're a funny guy. Okay, let's go to Washington now. No big injuries here, except for uh, Henrik Lundqvist is still on their IR, but he's been posting videos of workouts he's been doing while he recovers from his heart surgery in January, which replaced an aortic valve. This guy should... Like, most humans would not be, like, doing these workouts right now, getting on the ice and stopping pucks. But Lungfist has. I saw on NBC Sports Edge. Brian, did you know, by the way, it's not called Roto-World anymore? I'm the one it's called... who told you this. <laughs> okay, well, I'm... well now I'm sharing it with everyone. Apparently it's called... I don't like that. What happened to Roto-World?
2: It was a lot easier to say than NVAC. What is it? Fantasy Sports Edge? I guess and, like, so. The edge is all capitalized.
1: I just feel like, yeah, so you acquired Rotoworld, smart acquisition, NBC, but you don't have, like, you know, Skype is still called Skype. It's not called Microsoft video calling just because Microsoft took them over. Anyway, whatever. I don't have a say in this. Uh, But anyways, I saw on NBC Sports Edge on Friday uh, a headline that Washington Capitals have not completely closed the door on a potential return for Henrik Lundqvist this season. What? So, I don't know, no fantasy impact here. I, don't go out and grab Henrik Lundqvist, but I, I would love that so much. I'm tuning in. Like I'm canceling any obligations I have that day to watch that game when Lundqvist plays for the Capitals if it happens.
2: Yeah, I will watch it too. But I, I don't think. I mean, I don't know anything. I have no inside information.
1: But it just to me, it
2: seems really <laughs> unlikely that it's going to be this year. But whenever it does happen, I like maybe the silver lining here is that we're probably going to get another year of Hank after this one. Right? There's no way he hangs him up now if he's capable of playing yeah. again.
1: I mean, he's got to get the doctor's uh, you know, approval. He's got to make a team, right? Like Washington now all of a sudden has Vanacek and Samsonov, who both are looking really good. And, you know, uh, back in the day, Lungfist could wipe the floor with these guys, I'm sure. But right now it might, might be tough. But I'd love to see him play another NHL game for sure. Okay, Winnipeg uh, is fun interesting looking at their injury list because I forgot about Brian Little. He's still there. That's too bad. Remember, he used to be the second-line center. He used to be good back in the start of keeping Carlson. we would be talking about how he's underrated and everyone should draft him every year. So
2: Little, lad and Wheeler were the secret weapons of early keeping Carlson.
1: Yeah, Wheeler's still going not so much for Little and Ladd. Uh, the replacement line to centerman Pierre-Luc Dubois not producing much better than Little lately from the IR. Only one assist in three games since we talked about him last week. Uh, Oh, it's funny that I wrote this. So I wrote in my notes, who are you dropping first between Dubois and Fiala, if you have to pick one? Obviously, I know you're not dropping Fiala, but is Dubois someone that you would also go on a big tirade about how actually he's doing so much better than you think? He's just getting bad luck? Or would you be concerned as a Dubois manager?
2: I am very concerned as a Dubois manager. He's also seen a drop in time on ice. Uh, You know, he's playing with Ehlers and Connor at five on five, which should be good, but he's Hasn't done much with that most recent deployment. And he's also on a decent second power play unit too. But Dubois, I actually blame more for his own problems than I do Kevin Fiala. Like Kevin Fiala, I'm like, yeah, don't worry. He's going to be fine. Pierre-Luc Dubois, I am not saying the same thing. I I don't know what to tell you. If you've been hanging on to Dubois through all like the Columbus BS and then like waiting for the quarantine to end and then finally settling in with Winnipeg all for for nothing i'm sorry i guess this is all i can say if i had him in like a couple i would be pretty ready to make like the postal service and give
1: up oh good good one okay i like that song <laughs> or that's an album right not the song i like the yeah. postal service why did they only have one album they, they were so good i guess because it's the guy from death cab for cutie and he had better things to do
2: uh yeah i guess when you make the best record ever there's no way to follow up
1: Okay, I'd like to I'm sure there must be some like oral history of that album. And like, didn't they make it they were like sending tracks back and forth with two people who collaborated on it didn't even like meet, which nowadays is like normal. But at the time, I guess it was kind of impressive. Now I guess I I was as I'm saying, I'm like, wait, that's me with my coworkers every day right now. Alright, so uh, where are we here? We're on Arizona. Oh, now we're down to the teams with only two injuries on this list at tsn.ca slash nasl slash injuries. So you would think that that means that these teams are the lucky ones, but Arizona not so lucky because Darcy Kemper is still on the IR. I haven't seen any update. Uh, Auntie Ranta got the start versus Minnesota today. Didn't go that well. He let in four goals. Uh, like Aiden Hill got the start on Friday. He also let in four goals. So, I don't know. I would think that like Ranta should be a decent guy to stream in. He had a really good game on Wednesday, but I don't know. Not a guarantee.
2: No, not a guarantee apparently, and he's always just one movement away from being injured again, so I, I guess we'll just wait and watch and see. I saw a Tweet that the Coyotes were going to like start being more tight-lipped about their starting goalie, which is annoying, especially if you want to know how invested to be in Ranta. Elon, I, in one league where goalie wins are all that counts, I dropped Talbot for Ranta when Kemper got injured. Do you think that's a mistake? I still have the chance to go back and, and reverse that and drop Ranta and just re-add Talbot. But I, I'm sort of pr- puzzled. I don't know what to do.
1: I would prefer Talbot.
2: yeah. I mean, Minnesota is the real deal, right? Like they're a really good team and I actually shopped Cam Talbot around a lot before I dropped him and one guy got really mad. He said, Why are you why are you offer me Cam Talbot? And then when I dropped him he like like three days later, he sent me a note out of nowhere. I was like, Ah like see? Like what do you what were you doing with that offer? And like mm-hmm. to be fair. I I'm, I'm, I have, in a previous life, been known to to shoot some pretty bad offers out, and there's a question coming up on our Patreon cast this week about whether I still do that and what happens when I do or don't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I might still go get Talbot again. I, I just, think so. I don't know what to do. Like, Ranta probably won't play a whole lot more, especially if Aiden Hill started tonight.
1: No, no, Ranta started tonight, but Aiden Hill got oh. Friday. And he only led in three goals, actually. It was 4-1, to but I guess the last goal was an empty net. So, I don't know, Ranta wasn't terrible. But uh, Talbot, you know, has had two really good games in a row now, and Minnesota seems like they're a better team to have the goalie for. Uh, Brian, I guess I won't comment. I'll save it for the Patreon cast on Tuesday to comment on all the emails I get as your (laughs) co-manager of all the rejected trades that you've sent out and how I feel about them. Okay, uh, so Calgary has two injuries on this list. Uh, Tyler Parsons is on the IR That's one of them. This is a great segue for me because they don't need Tyler Parsons because they already have Jacob Markstrom back and he's been back to his stellar self with uh, two one goal assist wins over Montreal on Thursday and Saturday. Shutouts would have been better. Like I kind of don't like how the Habs need to score a late goal when it's looking like a shutout, but I guess I won't complain. So Markstrom is back just like Will Nadeau and you said in previous episodes. He had a little bit of a struggle, but I don't know. Now we'll see how he does against non-Montreal, but looking good. Okay, so let's go to Columbus um what a mess in Columbus right like Merz Lickens has led in five and three goals in his two games since returning from the IR uh he did get the win over Dallas and OT on Saturday so then today Corposalo got the start again and Corposalo actually did well he only led in one goal and they lost two to one in the shootout so I don't know I don't really want to talk about the Columbus goalies I feel like we've done it a lot but clearly we don't really have a sure starter might just be back and forth for a while until someone goes hot and then I guess I'll also bring up Seth Jones, who got an assist today, but I was going to bring him up as another one like McAvoy and Krug, who were pointless in four plus games. And I was going to ask you, like, uh, I guess you ranked Krug ahead of McAvoy. Where does Seth Jones rank on that this list of defensemen who are, you know, slow right now, but, you know, were drafted pretty high going into the season?
2: Probably right in the middle. Um, I guess one thing to say about Jones's production and how he should be doing better is no even strength goals on 53 shots over 30 games, which is like a really nice shot rate for a defenseman. And it's unfortunate that he hasn't picked a goal on any of them. Usually he'll score on like 4% of his shots. So I expect uh, slightly better things for Seth Jones. Also the Blue Jackets haven't been very good shooting while he's on the ice shooting barely above 6% as a team. So those are two reasons to think that Seth Jones is better than what he's currently shown. And because of that, I would take him over Charlie McAvoy. I feel like, yeah. I'm Piling I,
1: on McAvoy today.
2: Well, no, I don't mean to, <laughs> the, well, that's why I paused. I don't mean to pile on McAvoy and I'm trying to think of, do you have a counter argument for McAvoy over Jones or is it as obvious? Like, I, I think it's, I think it's clear.
1: I mean, I think that McAvoy has a higher ceiling. Uh, like, also Jones has been bumped off the top power play. Like Wirenski is doing really well lately. I think Jones is like a really solid floor guy but McAvoy could always just bump Grish like like apparently he did for a bit in the last game and all of a sudden get on a roll so I think I would probably say Jones is the safer bet and McAvoy is a bit of a bigger swing like we saw what McAvoy did at the start of the year he went on this super hot run so even if that was you're saying a little bit on or like lucky like unsustainable but he could still probably do it again he did it once he could do it again it's been a while since we've seen Jones go on like a monster run like we saw McAvoy go on
2: that's true so you're saying because Jones has not run unsustainably hot, and I just named a couple reasons why, like, he is, like should, he's in line for some good regression, uh, that's reason for you to go to McAvoy?
1: No, I would take Jones also, oh, okay. but you asked me for a reason, yeah, and yeah, my okay. reason would be that I think McAvoy has a higher ceiling. Okay, cool. Okay, so Detroit has two injuries. Uh, one of them is Tyler Bertuzzi. They're almost fully healthy, right? They had a lot of people out. Now they're just, we're just waiting on Bertuzzi. But don't look now, but the wings that you drafted in your fantasy league and likely dropped have been actually doing things lately. So Dylan Larkin had goals in two straight going into today. By the way, so today was Mantha scored from Luke Glendening and Philip Horonic. So I'll keep that in mind as I read the rest of these numbers. Uh, So Mantha uh, had a goal and two assists versus Tampa on Thursday. Another goal today. So that's good. He might be available in your league. Brian and I just added him in a league where we dropped him we drafted mantha he drove us crazy we dropped him like three weeks ago in this like fantasy hockey trades invitational and now we just added him back and he got us a goal today so that's nice uh zadina had two goals and three assists in his previous three games going into today and philip Horonic make that now three straight games with points the two earlier ones were with two assists in each of those games so Horonic's on a nice run how far are we right now, Brian, like if we went, went traveled back in time and could look at like what we were expecting from the wings going into the season, like all these players that may have been drafted, looking at the rest of the season moving forward, how far are we from having a similar projection?
2: I guess uh, you got to define your preseason expectations, right? I think, I think you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think we tried to temper our expectations thinking that no Red Wing would be in a great position to put up any more than 60 points. This season, if there's tape on me saying otherwise, please show it to me. And that just shows, like, how how far we've come since we had higher expectations than that. But I'm pretty sure that's what we were saying. And I wouldn't say any differently. Like, even if you do hit with Manta and Larkin... You'll do better than they are right now, but your ceiling still feels pretty low. So I guess if you're looking for an expectation the rest of the season, I'd say I would be happy with 55 points, like just for them to be fantasy relevant would be enough for me
1: wow okay no i think that, i think that we were drafting unless i coerced you to draft mantha i think we took him pretty high expecting to be like a 65 70 point guy and larkin around the same uh, so you're saying you're still not expecting much even though they're currently on hot runs which i think is the smart thing and conservative choice right now philip Horonic, i think i said Horonic, i think it's pronounced heronic uh was just added in my couple division today and i'm kind of regretting not having gotten him myself because he's someone that we like going into the year and yeah i'm not saying he's gonna go crazy but he's on a nice run right now and defense is hard to find in a lot of leagues so i would check and see if heronic is available for you in your league just to at least ride out this hot streak and then see what happens after that uh so in new jersey nico he is still out we're still on teams with two injuries here but obviously new jersey's big one is he devils have lost eight of their last nine going into today and today versus the islanders they lost again ah they went to the shootout but that was all that they were able to guess they got an overtime loss they got the one point but yeah the devils have really been falling apart lately uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Maybe next year. We, I thought they'd be good this year. Uh, obviously, you could just make an excuse that's because Heashear sure is out. And next year, you know, Heashear sure will hopefully be healthy. Jack Hughes will be a year older. I don't know. But right now, yeah. it's looking good.
2: You can find excuses. Corey Crawford uh, leaving. shear sure being injured. Uh, there's excuses, but I... Like, I just, also COVID and them playing in this really compressed schedule now. I don't know. There's, I would have expected, like, Andreas Janssen to be more rosterable. And I was so excited about Jack Hughes' strong start. And even now, lately, he's barely rosterable. Even Kyle Palmieri, a known, like, high floor guy, is not consistently producing, although he's finally started putting up a couple assists in recent games. But yeah, just a rough season for the Devils. And like you said, maybe next year.
1: Uh, and the team they played today also two injuries but they've got a big one on that list and someone knew Anders Lee out indefinitely with a lower body injury so that stinks and I'm been seeing that maybe he's just going to be gone for the rest of the season it might be time to just completely move on from Anders Lee in and your one-year leagues uh, Brian he's actually been a free agent all year in my dynasty league because it's a cap league and he has this crazy contract uh, so for a second I was like oh now I can add him and put him on my IR but then I remember no no then I'd have to hold him for like six more years at seven million a year or whatever it is but anyways Anders Lee that's too bad because he was having a decent enough season with him out Kiefer Bellows got on a line and power play with Eberle and Barzal on Saturday and he scored two goals in the 3-2 win I'm checking down once again. Uh, Kiefer Bellows is playing with Brzal and Everly. Yes, on both line one and on the power play, and he scored again. So that's three goals in two games for Kiefer Bellows. His goal was assisted by Sebastian Aho. Oh, oh, the defense: Sebastian Aho and Jordan Everly. Okay, I was getting confused a little bit. Uh, so yeah this guy is he must be for real he's a former first round pick i'm just answering the question right now he must be for real but like (laughs) i'm 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 imagining this seems real like it's not like some nobody getting goals but it's like the deployment is good like or he doesn't have a good pedigree he's a former first round pick in 2016 he's on a good line he's producing why not take him right like i don't know tell me a reason why we shouldn't stream him in right now in our fantasy hockey trades invitational league before one of our competitors listens to the show and snipes him
2: I guess it depends what you're giving up. And we have super deep benches in that league, so it doesn't feel like giving up a whole lot, especially when Anthony Mantha sat fallow in the free agent pool for so long. So yeah, we could probably grab Kiefer Bellows and see where this goes. Kiefer, son of Brian Bellows, as you mentioned, was a former first-round pick, 19th overall pick of the Islanders back in 2016. He played in 125 AHL games before making his NHL debut uh, last season. He just had a cup of coffee, eight games. But in those 125 AHL games, Bellows had 34 goals and 50 points. So just 16 assists in 125 games. So I guess uh, not a passer key for Bellows, but he shoots left. So that's probably why he gets this look for Andersley, who shoots left. Oliver Wallstrom, if you're wondering, shoots right. And there's really nobody else inside the organization who shoots left and seems like they might be capable of stepping up onto the top line, as Kiefer Bellows is doing right now, uh, especially now that he's scored three goals on four shots to make himself look real good to start. So we'll see if he lasts there, I guess. The reason that he would is, one, there's no one else who shoots left in the organization. Two, if they wanted to look outside the organization, the Islanders have zero cap space. So they would need to somehow open up enough cap space to bring somebody... But wait,
1: sorry, if I may, maybe I don't understand. Yeah. With Anders Lee on the long-term IR, doesn't that open up the cap space of Anders Lee's cap hit?
2: Um, is I'm he pretty on sure the I read that. Term yeah, he
1: was moved to the long term IR.
2: Okay, so I was on cap friendly. You're right. Okay, so I was on cap friendly earlier today, and now I see. Yeah, so they have five and a half million in cap space. So there you go. So they have room to bring someone in. But that's the only way, I think, that Kiefer Bellows doesn't stay on the top line. I saw this thought that maybe Taylor Hall could be a, a good oh. addition. That would be a lot of fun. Like, let's get Taylor Hall out of Buffalo. Let's put him on the the Islanders. Lead the NHL in points right now. I'm not sure how that crumbles with games played taken into account, but uh, that's something. So way to go Long Island. And we'll see if somebody more exciting than Kiefer Bellows gets brought into the organization.
1: Okay, so short-term, you're saying <laughs> Bellows is in a good spot, and you should grab him, probably unsustainable, because he's, like, whatever, scoring on three of his four shots. But at the same time, yeah, that does open up a very interesting opportunity for them to bring in someone who might even be better than Andres like a Taylor Hall. So I'd love that. The only thing I'd be concerned about as someone who has Taylor Hall on my couple team is they're going to be one of these annoying things where he gets traded, and then he has to, like, sit out a bunch of games yeah. while he goes through some protocols or things. That would be very frustrating if he didn't get a D2D status on Yahoo. So... That's one thing I kind of dread about Hall getting traded, but probably would still be good for him to get out of Buffalo. Also, JG Pajot, last-minute addition to the COVID list today. So that's another player currently not in the Islanders lineup. But who knows? We've seen recently some false positives, so he may even be back next game. I guess we can't really speculate. Okay, next up, we're going to San Jose. They have two injuries on this list, but really the main story with San Jose are the outjuries of Tomasz Hurdle and Timo Meyer recently. Yeah, Rudolph's Balsers is now day-to-day, but I think you make that trade every day of the week, getting Hurdle and Meyer for Balsers. The Sharks, by the way, have won three straight now, and their last two games were both great starts from Devin Dubnik and Martin Jones. Yeah, they're both versus the Ducks, but I watched a lot of that game on Friday where Dubnik just stoned the Ducks the whole game I'm not saying that I think it's going to happen m- longer like I'm not saying people should add Devin Dubner but nice to see he's not like completely done and that the Sharks can actually get some games of good goaltending uh, uh by the way also Tomas Hurdle was running super cold before going on the COVID list I uh, was on a stretch of only five points in 14 games before he went out of the lineup so I'm sure Brian you had him on your couple team you were probably happy to stash him and get this anchor off of your roster he was actually dropped in one of my leagues and I grabbed him and then I was able to put him in my IR, so it was like a no-cost stash, kind of like what you were just suggesting to do with Kirby Dock earlier in the show. So I did the add and stash, and I've really benefited from it because I put Hurdle back into my lineup for Friday and Saturday's game, and he's got one goal and two assists in those two games versus Anaheim since returning. So I'm curious now, what are we expecting from Hurdle for the rest of the season? Are we still concerned about that cold streak re-emerging once he's not playing Anaheim? Like, he's in a good spot. like He gets good deployment, and he had a really good year a couple years ago. But last year and then for a good stretch of this year, he's really struggled.
2: Last we saw Tomas Hurdle, as you said, he was not doing very well and he was very frustrating. And yeah, I was kind of relieved to be able to just put him aside and not have to drop him and just be like, Okay, you sit in my IR for a bit, and maybe you'll come back and have sorted things out, which it appears Tomas Hurdle has, but I'm still concerned that since coming back, Hurdle's taken only one shot. Over two games, and we noticed this already with Hurdle, his five-on-five shot rates were in steep decline to begin the year, as was his individual expected goals rates. So far, Hurdle is making up for it with assists and power play points, and I'd like to think he could keep doing that. But I would still be prepared as a hurdle manager for him to fall below 60 points for the first time since breaking out a couple years back. But at the same time, I'm also ready to be pleasantly surprised about Tomáš Hurdle. All this to say, uh, really disappointing start to the year. He's just getting back. I've got to wait and see. So I'm going to sort of just default to 60-point pace expectation.
1: Okay, that's fair. Like, I, I, the optimist to me is saying, okay, San Jose's starting to look good. Eric Carlson scored a goal on Friday. Like, maybe he's getting. I watched, like, Carlson looked good. Like, I know, like, overall, like, when we've seen all these stats about how he, like, has been playing, like, so badly under the hood and blah, blah, blah. Like, looked good in that game on Friday against Anaheim, for what it's worth. So, I don't know. I still like to think that Sharks have higher upside than what they've shown us this year. Uh, but that's all I'll say. I'm not going to actually put my, you know, name behind a prediction of, like, specifically them doing really well. Cause I know that that's only a recipe for pain okay Toronto has two injuries uh Wayne Simmons and Jack Campbell so we'll keep you posted when they return if there's anything noteworthy to report on there like Simmons was on a good run before he got hurt Jack Campbell seems like he could be like I I feel really bad for Jack Campbell who was like had a shutout and then like went and got injured and so now we have to wait to see if he's ever gonna get the opportunity to show what he's got in Toronto before Frederick Anderson goes to free agency then on Vegas two big name injuries right Alex Petrangelo hasn't returned to the team yet after going back to Las Vegas for evaluation after getting hurt last Saturday not surprising to see a power play time on ice and production uptick from Shea Theodore since that game last Saturday he has one goal and three assists in his last three games now so obviously Shea Theodore owners are not hoping for Petrangelo to return anytime soon unless they're also Vegas Golden Knights fans and then Brian here's a random name for you the player seeing an uptick in power play two time is a guy named Dylan Coughlin who by the way scored a hat trick on Wednesday versus Minnesota so Brian every episode I gotta do this who's Dylan Coughlin and is this someone that you would consider rostering with Petrangelo out of the lineup and him getting some power play time?
2: No, he's not someone I would consider rostering. But to answer who he is, he's an undrafted 23-year-old out of Duncan, BC, home to uh, the Courtinals, Russ and Jeff. You might be familiar with them if you were uh, Vancouver or Montreal or a Columbus fan in the past. Uh, Coughlin has 64 points in 122 career AHL games, 26 goals, which uh, is pretty good. Actually, he's not far off those Kiefer Bellows numbers. Somehow uh, Coughlin had taken eight shots over 11 games before scoring three goals on five shots to get his Hattie versus Minnesota. And then he followed up the Hattie by putting up a single shot in each of his last two games. So that is why I'm not running to go stream in Dylan Coughlin. I'd rather someone like Nicholas Haig.
1: Okay, that's definitely fair. Probably just neither and assume that it's going to be Shea Theodore eating up all the defensive points over on Vegas. Okay, Florida only has one player on their injured list. His name is Noah Juleson, so he's not fantasy relevant. But one player that's no longer there is Anthony Duclair, who's back from his lower body injury. We called him a snoozer before he got hurt because he'd been bumped from the top six. But on Saturday, he was back playing with Barkov and Verhagi, just like they were for most of the season. And he picked up three assists in the 4-2 win over Chicago. He also had four shots on goal. So I assume this is easy, right? If Duclair was dropped in your league, you gotta go grab him now, because if he was rostered for the start of the year, he's right back in the same spot and he's producing again.
2: Yeah, keep in mind from that spot, he had there was room to improve. Let's just say he was still on just about a 50-point pace, and the power play just wasn't clicking, but also, his shooting percentage is still super low. So before he was booted off the top line, I was actually really into him. as being like, oh, yeah, he can recover. His shooting percentage is a third of what it normally is. And he's taking as many shots as he did in his breakout last season with Ottawa. So I still feel that way uh, so long as he stays on the top line. If he's bumped off the top line, I don't care how mu- how much his shooting percentage should be better. I'm still just not that interested in him. But playing with Barkov with room to grow... Uh, Yeah, I would definitely take a chance on Anthony Duclair.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's no guarantees that he stays there. Like, we saw Vitrano get a run with Barkov and then Mason Marchment recently. And maybe even by the next game, it'll be Mason Marchment or someone else back there on the top line. But for now, I definitely like Duclair. Yeah, well, he's on the top line. So you're going to have to, again, follow Game Day Lines or go to gamedaylinetweets.com on Tuesday. And the Florida beat writers are really good at tweeting out Florida practice lines. Okay, Montreal has one injury, and it's Ben Charat who injured his hand in a fight. And was we'll seen wearing a cast the next day. So that's how things are going for the Habs lately, unfortunately. Uh, for what it's worth, just a random uh, non sequitur. I like Jesperi Kakniemi for next week. He's on the top line. He's been playing with Gallagher and Toffoli, as well as on the top power play. He was on a three game point streak before the whole team got shut down by Markstrom on Thursday and Saturday, like we discussed. So I think there's. A possibility that Cockney Emmy managers were like, okay, I guess the hot streak's over and dropped him but I think that was more to say about Markstrom and I think Cockney I mean, just in this spot I think he could really produce, he's clearly a good player and he's finally getting the opportunity with the new coach
2: yeah, it's really nice to see Kot be someone who has benefited from the new coach. Although, like, there were some teases of good deployment here. He's still just 20 years old, so keep that in mind. Keep your expectations in check. But he was on a bit of a run already, got a bump in deployment, saw, uh, what looks to me, yeah, it's a season high. 18 minutes and 46 seconds of ice in the Habs' last game against Calgary. Only one shot over those last two games. So, uh, of course, that's not awesome, even if he is playing a lot of minutes. But he's in a good spot and definitely could be a good guy to stream in just to see where this goes
1: yeah I'm into him so you know we've thrown out a lot of names of guys you might want to stream in for next week like your Kempes and Kapanins and like a Duclair so add Cockney Emmy to the list maybe look at your schedule see who you could fit in for the most games uh then let's end on the Rangers who have one player on their injured list who is Igor Shostyorkin and so who knows if he'll come back anytime soon uh in the meantime I guess they've got Keith Kincaid who like I said shut out the Bruins on Saturday which definitely surprised me uh I'm gonna say right now don't stream in Keith Kincaid thinking he's gonna keep this up I've I'm not going to guarantee, but I'd be pretty confident that he's going to blow you up the second that you add him. Uh, but hey, he wasn't injured. But welcome back, Artemi Panarin, who picked up an his return in the 4-0 win over Boston on Saturday. Also, welcome back, Philip Heedle. He's been back for a couple weeks now. He's been playing on a line with a couple youngsters, Lafreniere, Kako, and Heedle in the most recent game. So Heedle's pointless in four, low TOI, so not worth considering, but nice to see him back. Uh, also, welcome back to Fantasy Relevance, Mika Zibanejad, who had two assists on Saturday and put up five and six shots on goal in his two earlier games on the week. Oh, please be back to normal, Zibanejad. That would be so great down the stretch uh i'm not gonna like you know call it right now that a is back but it seems to be trending in a good direction uh and one more welcome back to being worth grabbing asap if he's available pavel bucinevic longtime favorite of keeping carlson i don't know why you oh there you well, used no, to look- no
2: it was like an oh uh, if he's available are you kidding yeah. me like he's been crushing it for uh a month
1: now. right yeah yeah
2: 14 points in his last 13 games and it seems to be I mean it's not all sustainable but a good chunk of it is and he's gotten turns on the top power play also which is something that's eluded him so yeah if he's still available go get him please
1: Yeah so I have this one league that I was invited to midway through the year and oh yeah he's not available I had added him and dropped him a couple of times over the last month and I had a friend make make fun of me and be like hey you always are adding and dropping Bucinievich, just make up your mind and now I see that the, after the last time I dropped him he was added by Oshi Glows And I don't think he's coming back to me anytime soon. So maybe it's like too little too late for me saying that Bucinievich is worth rostering. It's fun, Brian. Bucinievich is like a longtime guy on keeping Carlson, right? Remember how he would like get in good deployment and do really well, then all of a sudden get bumped to the fourth line for no reason? Kind of like uh, the Connor Garland of old, now that I think of it. But now he's stuck with Mika, who, like I said, has started to do better. And Kreider's been doing well. So yeah, great spot. And good job, Bucinievich. And good job you, Brian, for doing a great job working through all 31 teams and looking at all of their infirmaries. This has been a blast. I hope people have enjoyed the show. We're going to try this format of a more structured show, like going through teams in some way or another. So we'll see what we come up with for next week. Let us know what you think. Tweeted us at Keeping Carlson. We'd love to get your feedback. We saw recently some feedback on Reddit, which we really appreciated. So we'll find it, okay? We'd love to hear. We took some of that into account, by the way, uh, from a thread on Reddit about someone who was not happy with what we were doing on Keeping Carlson. So, like, we want to hear it, and then we could try to make the show better for you. Uh, if you like the show, we'd of course appreciate a five star review on Apple Podcasts. It always helps us out. Uh, like I said, you can follow us on Twitter, and if you really, really like the show, it's not too late to come join our patron community over on Discord, where we're all helping each other out, giving each other advice, having some fun, game day chats. Plus, we've got a patron cast scheduled for this Tuesday, which is always a really fun show, where we, you know, let loose a little bit. We've got a bunch of fun questions from the patrons, and Brian and I answer every single question that we get, and have a lot of fun along the way. So, sign up right now, keepingcarlson.com slash patron. Check out the patron cast. If you don't like it, you can cancel right uh your money back guarantee uh so that's keepingcarls.com slash patron i mean money back guarantee in terms of you don't have to pay until the end of the month so it's kind of like i should say free trial and not money back guarantee brian's laughing at me right now which probably means i've been talking for too long so let me cut to brian who can after the outro music is cued which let's do now You can go ahead and read us the credits.
2: I will. But first, uh, we've made a a weekly tradition of sharing with you some of the big spenders in the Cuckupful, courtesy of the Cuckupful Stat Attack podcast. This week, we've got Do the Dougie in Tier 5, Melker, spending $32 on Tom Wilson. We've got Tier 3 for Lunda's team. It Still Burns, dropping $24 on Carter Hart. And then Filthy Animals over in Tier 6, Philly, uh, did the thing where they dropped Carter Hart for Tom Wilson, spending $24 fab to make that change. So we'll see. I I guess uh, they all think they can survive the next week without Tom Wilson. Then he'll be back, at which point I think that will be fab Will spent so long as you survive the weeks where he's not playing. Uh, If you want to hear more, the link to Kakupful Stat Attack is in the show notes. And you probably heard a little bit of it on Clipping Carlson just the other day. All right. Hey, Brian,
1: can I give a quick spoiler for uh, the stat attack this week? Yeah. So, Marcus was unavailable to do the interview this week. And so I took over interviewing duties and I interviewed your opponent in Cupful Tier 2 Sweden, Matt Delgallo. And it was a really fun talk. And we also had a fun talk like after we stopped recording about how he you know plans to beat you which i'm not at liberty to talk about but it was really fun to talk to him and he he's gunning like he wants he's been in tier two for like three years in a row and he really wants to get into tier one next year so you're gonna have to bring your a game to take out matt dalgallis you can hear that on the stat attack coming out tomorrow
2: okay and i expect you to tell me all that he shared with you in confidence with me off the air, <laughs> of <course. laughs> uh, or else we're not friends, and this is the last episode ever of Keeping Carlson. Speaking of which, this episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and powered by our amazing, wonderful, incredible patrons, logo art by Brandon Weave. outro music by Pat Roach. This episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Pool, Dauber Prospects, Natural Trick, Evolving Hockey, Cap Friendly, Charting Hockey, Hockey Reference, Hockey Biz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, roto world i mean nbc fantasy sports edge
1: and <laughs> yahoo yeah update that note great job as always brian looking forward to doing this all again next sunday but before that i'm looking forward to the Patreon cast and you're gonna get short shifts episodes so yeah we got out and there's gonna be another clipping carlson so yeah stay subscribed to our feed because we got a lot coming
2: yeah and we like to hope it reaches everyone because fantasy hockey is for everyone